0: Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is oh, time I my village. I know where
1: they're
2: taking your clan.
0: Bend for your king. Never. <laughs> Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
3: All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of The End. I am Craig of the Creek.
2: And I am Jack A. Harry. This is The Read. Thanks for coming. It is back.
3: indeed. Welcome back to hell. Let's start things <laughs> the way we normally do. Black excellence this week It is going to Trey Shepard, who is the author of The Day My World Changed, a book that he co-wrote with his mom, uh, which is meant to help... Children adjust to the madness that has been the COVID-19
4: pandemic. Oh, wow.
3: So, uh, at three years old, Trey was diagnosed with autism. His mom says that although uh, they were told forever that he was going to deal with all of these things he wouldn't be able to do, like he wouldn't be able to talk, he wouldn't be able to communicate the way they want him to, or read or play organized sports, they were able to crash through all of those things. Um, However... Trey's mom, Natalie, says that uh, when quarantine started that she noticed like some anxiety and like misunderstanding uh, happening with her son just in terms of, you know, the adjustment of having to uh, school at home and stuff. Right. Uh, So she came up with the idea to start journaling with Trey as a way to help him express what he was feeling, missing school, missing his friends. And from there, they started to wonder how other kids were dealing with it. So, they co-wrote this book together. His mom helped him come up with the concept, and they hired an illustrator. They self-published the book. Since July, they've sold more than 250 copies of the book, and it's being used in classrooms, homes, across the states, it says, on Because of Them We Can. There are uh, states including New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, and Illinois. Trey says, I feel excited because it's my favorite book. I'm a published author. (laughs) Um,
4: yes,
3: <laughs> I'm gonna put the link for the book if you guys wanna go support buy a copy. I'll put the link in the description. Um but I thought that was awesome. So congratulations to Trey and to his mom Natalie and hell, I probably need to read this book myself because yeah. knows I'm not adjusting. I just
2: so. I literally just bought it while you was telling the story. So <laughs> right. congratulations, young man.
3: And he's from Jacksonville. So shout out to Florida and you know the few good things that come out of it. <laughs>
2: I about to so say because like, normally you don't even say that name.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, all right. Oh, I also wanted to say uh, before I move on to congratulations, to TS Madison, on her new show. It's coming out uh, in March, I believe. Yay! On MeTV. I'm so happy for you, Maddie. You deserve it. You work very, very hard. So I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. That's another shout out for for Florida, Miami specifically. Yes, I know that Miami's in Florida. I was. <laughs> Joking. I know some of you thought that I was
2: just kidding around, but yes, (laughs) congratulations. Nobody deserves it more. Madison. So happy for you. Hey, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding a work-life balance can be tough. Okay. If anybody knows, I know, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate.
3: All right, so let's start with our pop culture this week, Hot Tops, Inside Man. Uh, we're going to start with story that Yikes. you guys sent to me a few days ago. So apparently things were going up on a Tuesday, or a Saturday, Friday? In Houston. Um, oh, Lord. <laughs> yes. So I don't know if Houston um, typically goes all out for MLK weekend <laughs> uh, the way that Atlanta does. Um, I did know that, you know, the children, the family still flocked down to Atlanta for the holiday uh right. weekend because nothing says let's celebrate our civil rights leader uh more than being the most audacious niggas possible. <laughs> so <laughs> Houston was apparently having oh, a grand Lord. time oh, in Lord. a similar fashion. So someone sent me a tweet uh for this had a video on it and said something to the effect of Bow Wow's got the club packed out here in Houston and showed a very packed, packed clubhouse, yeah. no at. Yeah. With loads of people, mostly maskless, uh, watching as Bow Wow performed with some new braids on stage here <laughs> in um in, in Houston, Texas. And um I remember my first question being who went? Like what like p- people who wanted to go chose to be like oh this is where i'm going to be but very quickly common sense tapped in for me and was like no girl obviously houston was one of the places where it was at for nigga weekend the girls were probably going to be at this function anyway and then surprise halfway through the hookah <laughs> bow wow's here I personally refuse to believe that (laughs) anyone who's (laughs) old enough to get into a club in the year 2021 (laughs) decided to say, you know what, you know what the end thing is? Death. And so I choose to have my death featuring the soundtrack of Fresh As I'm Is. None of the (laughs) girls decided that they were gonna leave the house in their best Saturday Night's Best and die to the sound of, you know, I Think They Like Me, the remix. That's not what took place. Okay. Um <laughs> I mean,
2: that is exactly what took place,
3: but I will no, let it you isn't. have it. It's not.
2: I will let you have it.
3: The club was going up anyway, and it just <laughs> so happens that Bow Wow found a way to finagle himself into collecting a bag okay. for a live performance. Right. Nobody in their earthly right mind, as ignorant as many of y'all have been these days, none of you niggas was going out and laying your life on the fucking line to watch little Bow Wow move so fast across the floor <laughs> and have him run through your fucking mind like all the time. I don't believe it. I just refuse to. So what happened was that they were having the function and I just happened to be there. Because the girls are not dying to see (laughs) Shadrach or Meshach or Abednego. All right. So, um, the girls were, you know, make this basically was like a viral conversation over the weekend, which led to, uh, the mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, Black man, in case you couldn't tell by the name Sylvester Turner. He went to Twitter and said the following, These events that are scheduled with At Bow Wow promo team today in Houston are on our radar. Other bars slash clubs that are operating as restaurants beyond capacity and social distancing requirements, please expect visits. Today we report 1,964 new cases and 17 more deaths. (sighs) To that, Shad responded and said, Mr. Mayor, why are you blaming me though? Like, this is crazy. You acting like this was a battle-out weekend. Why are you singling me out? I'm asking respectfully. I'm just the easy target, the celeb that just got, that gets the most attention, uh, no. so it's easy to just put it <laughs> no. on me. No,
2: that's not it.
3: <laughs> he also tagged this on his Instagram story saying, someone tell the mayor of Houston, Texas, I'm leaving right now. Geez. He's singling me out as if I was the only celeb here this weekend. What? This is crazy. So let's just go ahead and, and acknowledge. Okay. Bow was not the only person there that weekend. He was not the only person there at the function. It was a promoter's birthday party. Meek Mill was hosting it. Kenny Burns was there. Also on the lineup for the weekend were people like uh, Trey Songz, who had COVID last year. Fabulous, who had COVID last year. That girl, uh, uh, Bernice. I still don't know how to say her last name. Burgess, Burgess. That lady oh, you all yeah, make yeah. fun of for being old, even though y'all look older than she does. They were all there. You know, having a great time, mostly without masks. So surely this, you know, this was not a Bow Wow weekend. Um, right. Bow Wow, if you've heard of words, and how they have the de- definitions, mm-hmm. this this tweet that you're responding to, first of all, he wasn't talking to you, he was talking to your promotional team's uh, Twitter page. <laughs> no one even <laughs> at you in this message. Furthermore, he said, other bars slash clubs that are operating as restaurants, girl, were coming for y'all. Right. So he wasn't singling you out. He literally said, yes, we know about the Bow Wow shit, specifically because everyone was talking about you because All of us were confused as to why anyone would pick their deathbed featuring Little Bow Weezy and the sounds of whatever the fuck that song is with Sierra. That's why people were talking about you. So Sylvester, Mr. Turner, if I may, decided to say, yes, girl, we've heard about Shad and like Mike. We also want for the other girls to understand we're coming for all of you. So if you did decide that you were going to brunch today, maybe don't, because we're pulling up. Nobody was pointing you out or singling you out. And honey, you know that you are excited to have this amount of attention. Bow Wow's so excited that people are talking about him for something other than growing hip-hop, growing up hip-hop. He doesn't know what to fuck to do with himself. (sighs) But anyway, there you go. That's the story (laughs) of how Lil Bow Wow and his braids had a weekend.
2: I mean, yeah, you're not the only one, but this is still very fucking stupid. Like, I don't understand how you're being like, well, I'm just going to leave Houston altogether because I'm being bullied when... Bullying is the very least of what should happen to you when you choose to host and promote a big ass club event in the middle of a terrible ass pandemic that is getting worse. It's worse now than it was when the whole country went on lockdown for a week and a half last March.
3: It is worse (laughs) When, when, when the people are joking, did somebody say pandemonium tour and you were like, oh yeah, throw me in coach. Like, did you think that they (laughs) were actually asking you to come out and perform for the the tour that you did one time? Because that's not what's happening. We're actually in a real Panasonic. And so (laughs) the children are confused, not only because of this, because again... You know, the the girls were in Atlanta just, you know, maskless, happy to be there. <laughs> you know, like, the, they didn't even need a performance. So, as I said, the children were going out anyway. We were just so confused as to why anybody would be out risking their lives for you. Well, you know, like, not well <coughs> Drake or who's a uh, Little Baby or the other baby or one of the people <laughs> that, like, has music. That came out in the past fifteen years. Stop. So, yeah, and again, collect. You know, everybody needs to get money and stuff like that. So I'm not even being like, oh my goodness. You know, all of the girls have been performing. Loads of the celebrities have been performing not only this year but last. (laughs) So Bow Wow's not exclusive in his. I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna go get that bag anyway. So not at all. Again, you know, we just.
2: I just don't know what you expected. I just don't know what you thought was going to happen. Mm. So, yeah. uh, so I just no, I have sympathy for a lot of people but this situation, no nigga, this is not it. Let's just die. Let's just go it just <laughs> no, seems fine. See, no. Having a great time. It's <laughs> <Let's> not like <laughs> let's just go die. <laughs> I That's mean the new this, thing. Let me uh, I don't know. I'm frustrated because there are things that people can't avoid doing. And then there is going to see Lil Bow Wow at Club 112. <laughs> I'm
3: telling you.
2: <laughs> and they did it, friend. They paid a higher cover. Or they bought they booked, tables. They did. They bought bottles for Bow they Wow. They booked
3: Annalie Chopper, one of the LMNOP <laughs> children. They who then pulled out last minute, probably for the same reason Ashanti had no. to. And they were like, who else, who, whose numbers do you have? Or, or, "Um, Well, I got Bow Wow. Fine, fine, fine. Whoever, the, the party starts in two hours. Like, I just don't, but like no one, okay. even in the clip that they sent me, like, it seemed like all of three people were like, I know this song. And everybody else was like, you know, you're like you ever been to like a gay club or something like that and you didn't know it was drag night? And so then like the oh, drag thing comes yes. out, but they are not really in the mood for the performance. So you're like, oh, okay, girl, Like, <laughs> <Can> <laughs> like if I knew that this was a drag brunch, drag... <laughs> I would be in a different but this wasn't <laughs> I hate you so much. That's the like that was the vibe I got. Okay. Like they were appreciative well, of the culture, but also they didn't. What know it was going a like. photo you just painted for me. <laughs> anyway, God bless everyone and your results. Next, um, well, because bad news, just, we didn't have enough of it. Apparently, the next season of Insecure, the fifth season, is going to be the final season. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, not enough. Heartbreak. we just had so many good things happening <laughs> that time for some balance. Right, now,
2: universe had to even things out a little bit.
3: Um, so yes, Deadline uh, posted, Insecure to end after season five, to which Issa writes, retweeted and said, very excited to film our fifth and final season. We couldn't have told a complete story without the tremendous support of our audience and the faith of HBO. See y'all soon. Insecure HBO. I believe that they're uh, due to start production very, very soon. The new season is supposed to come out later this year, I believe, And, yeah, it will be wrapping up with whatever is going to happen with this new baby
2: Mm. that
3: Lawrence has... Oh, spoilers?
2: I (laughs) I mean, if you haven't (laughs) seen the season four finale, then you have just been bullshitting because there's been too much time, so...
3: I'm bummed. Um, Insecure was, like, one of the things, those Black things I felt, like, damn near the whole community came together at the dinner table for. It was, like, one of those things where it was just, like... I just felt like such a huge part of specifically Black American culture was very tuned into that. And we watched it Mm -hmm. together and we laughed together. We would share our opinions and our memes and different perspectives and cry and all that stuff. And now it's going to be done after. I mean, like five, six, seven seasons, I think, is the typical running time for a successful uh, show. Mm -hmm. But
0: uh, I want more. (laughs)
2: Right. Like, we just want the fun times to keep going because Insecure is fun. And it is, I don't know, it's just something about seeing this story in particular, like, these people around my same age, who have a lot of the Mm -hmm. same references I do, grew up listening to the same stuff, like, it's just all of these shared bonds and then seeing nigga shit play out on TV (laughs) that I have experienced again, like, (laughs) Everything about it just being so relatable, I I will deeply miss Insecure. Like I'm glad Issa got the chance to tell her story. Like I remember her saying that she knew how it was gonna end when she first yeah. started the series. So I'm glad she got the chance to tell the story she wanted to tell. Uh but yeah, I will I will miss it. It's good times, it's beautiful black people, it's incredible music, the Fucking soundtrack to the show oh, yeah. is second to none. It's shot beautifully. Every Everything season. about Insecure, I just adore. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, Insecure ending doesn't mean that, you know, Issa Rae is going back to whatever oh, beautiful no. black planet the, that she came from. You no, know, like the
2: Empire still be out is here. in full effect.
3: <laughs> right. Yvonne's got a show coming that she's developing with uh Disney Plus, I believe. Like th- these people are still gonna be working. And I know that there are plenty of other great stories that they all probably have lined up. So looking forward to that. But yeah, the end of Insecure Um yeah. is a bummer. But also I'm totally into people being like wrapping it up mm-hmm. with the complete story that I see, rather than just running it into the ground for, you know, as many coins as you yep. can get out of it. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, exactly. I am also for wrapping things up when you're like, it's done, let's move on. It was great while well, it was great.
2: Yeah. You you know, um, you could you can deal with the, the grief of it ending, knowing that you will be able to stream it for the rest of the time.
3: Very, very,
2: very. <laughs> So, yes.
3: If we do get a spinoff, though, from uh, Insecure, what should it be about and why should it star Natasha Rothwell's Kelly?
2: You know, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking Issa's gay brother and the two of them have such an incredible relationship anyway.
3: (laughs) You just stepped into something.
2: (laughs) Like if you the brother, the brother, his his relationship ends out of nowhere and he needs a roommate. Natasha loses her I job was just going to say that. And she needs to move in with somebody. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. nigga. Issa, call me.
3: <laughs> I live. Natasha. Because you know, HBO is e- e- never like against um, like a cute, reasonable spinoff for some of their more popular... That's, uh, all shows and stuff. that's all I'm saying.
2: That's so, all I'm saying. I would not be. It mad would at be them fun though, and so. festive, but Natasha yeah. has a lot of other things to do. So. Yeah,
3: that's what I'm saying. Like they, all, all of them are, are going to be
2: very busy, so you know we could just be shooting off at the mouth But it would just be nice to see. Love these characters. Love this story. And yeah, it will it will hurt to say goodbye.
3: Um, what we might be saying hello to, um, is the new Adele album possibly as soon as next month. Oh, okay. According to Adele's friend's uh, (laughs) comedian-slash-TV host, Alan Carr, he was doing a little YouTube special with Michelle Visage that I think they called, like, the... uh, Fangirl playlist or something like this. Anyway, they're okay. just talking about fangirl shit. The fangirl shortlist. This is what they call the Queen's Edition. And they just talk about a whole bunch of shit that you would watch on RuPaul's drag race or the UK drag race or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or iconic divas and whatnot. One of the questions they uh, had come up on their thing was who's rumored to have an album coming out in February, Adele Rihanna or Cardi B, to which they both <laughs> said Adele. Yeah. And Alan said he's heard some of the songs that are ever so amazing and yeah, that it could be coming out anytime as soon as next month. As we know, Adele is newly single as of a few years ago. And this new album would be the first one since her, uh, separating from her hubby, baby father. And, um, I'm hoping for, you know, some fun, gritty stuff. I read that she's been working with, people like Raphael Sadiq and John Legend. So oh, yes. We could be getting some real R&B Inject singing, that. sing, sing stuff. <laughs>
2: okay, because I was worried she was going to take it to Jamaica.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, odds are the inevitable reggae-infused <laughs> I was record.
2: worried, yes. I was worried that we would get a reggae-infused up-tempo record with... <laughs>
3: you know, um, some
2: locals doing ad-libs in the background, and I'm just gonna need I mean, that tonight. I don't think so,
3: but who knows? I don't Amy Winehouse did it with, with taste. So I feel like Adele can do it with taste if she wants to do, like, one little you know, reggae produced sort of island record. And again, being Jamaican and knowing how many Jamaicans and how expansive the culture is in England, it's like I'm fine with that, you know. I if I can give Drake a break for it, because the same thing exists in <laughs> <Did> Toronto. <you? laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the- ish. <laughs> <laughs> this, is this break, I have not really seen it, but well, um, yeah, we'll see what happens whenever this album comes out. I want like a hardcore "Kill Him in His Sleep" anthem. Bring it on, uh, Adele
2: okay why can't I think of this Amy Winehouse uh, song that you're talking about
3: because there are several like oh, she didn't
2: just okay. <laughs> I was like really racking my brain at first I thought you meant she put out a song called Taste
3: no <laughs> like <laughs> Amy <laughs> used to have, like, like all her background singers at one point were, like, all African or or Caribbean or something like that. Like, she was super into the vibes. God, I miss that woman. But anyways. Um, well, yeah, we'll um, see.
2: I typically do enjoy Adele's music, so.
3: Yeah, I, don't I will, think she's put out an album I don't like. <laughs>
2: I'll be listening to it, yeah, regardless.
3: Um, Cardi B scored her first leading role in a feature film.
2: Oh, glory.
3: <laughs> Paramount Pictures won a bid, bidding war apparently, for rights to a film called Assisted Living, a comedy that's being compared to films l- s- such as Titsy, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Sister Act.
2: Oh, wow. Well, I've Big never seen Titsy, but shows. those other two. Yeah. I mean,
3: they're these are something else. <laughs> all damn near the same. Um... Someone gets into some shit and then pretends to be someone else, basically. Right. So, says here on Variety.com, it follows Cardi B's Amber, a small-time crook who finds herself in over her head when a heist goes wrong. On the run from the cops and her former crew, she struggles to find anywhere to hide. Running out of options, Amber disguises herself as an elderly woman and hides out in the one place no one will look, her estranged grandmother's nursing home. Oh, so Cardi Pines.
2: Okay. <laughs> I was going to say Cardi Florida. Pines. So she she went old and went to Florida.
3: Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like a comedy that will require Cardi to be in prosthetic makeup and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Um, I also doesn't sound like she's going to require her to be too much different than Cardi. <laughs> uh, I know that she was in that movie Hustlers with J Lo and Constance Wu and mm-hmm. Kiki Palmer. Uh, I never saw it though. I heard good things about it, but I haven't seen it for myself. Um, I think she was in one of the Fast and the Furious movies, or supposed to be. Well, I don't know. So I really don't know. Like. Um, what cardi's acting chops look like yeah. but i want to believe that if the girls were like not only are we going to give her a starring role but we're going to have the studios bidding over it i want to assume she probably can pull it off and it sounds like an interesting enough concept so i'm intrigued
2: i mean yeah i i would watch it i did see cardi and hustlers uh not that she had some you know massive part or anything like that but Playing a stripper was not a reach for Cardi anyway, so she already she had was a right, right. So not, not something that was actually gonna you know stretch her acting chops, as it were. But I mean, and I think she has a flair for dramatic things and comedic things. Her Facebook um, series, whatever that's called, where she tries out different projects and stuff, is cute oh, I and funny. About that, yeah, like it, Cardi is funny. That started already. Yes, it's on like its third or fourth episode, I think, but so Cardi is Cardi is funny and I think she can do this, yeah. but I also hope she gets some some acting training as well. Not that she can't be herself, but just to learn some of the actual finer nuances of being an actor.
3: I highly doubt that she's she has not gone into some form of of acting training already and is likely um back into it extra hard that's you
2: know know. and that's all i'm asking for that's all i'm asking for so
3: i feel like typically especially when you're a a star as big as a cardi b typically your agents or someone is going to be like okay so here's the best acting coach we could find for you and going into your however many Mm -hmm. week you know training with them and stuff so i'm sure she's getting at least like some sort of training to to best prepare right. her for the role, and again, this doesn't sound like something that's going to require you know cranking out a Meryl Street, but <laughs> being like her first leading role. Maybe she'll have yeah. fun. Maybe she'll do a good job, and then maybe she'll even you know a couple of years from now she might be doing something more dramatic and blow people's minds away. Because I love I love people who are not like expected as actors or not like they don't maybe come into the industry as acting as actors, but then they get into it and it's like, oh shit. Like I and they I blow love everybody's when, mind. Yeah, I love <laughs> when they when people blow people's mind or like can fit into a role and and kill it in an unexpected way. So maybe that'll be her. Either way, this movie sounds like it is prime to be funny as fuck. Especially if they're gonna give her like a shady, you know, abuela to be like equally <laughs> funny. Like I'm I'm all down. Oh yes, or I, if I'm, her I'm own in...
2: I'm not sure if her own grandmother is still alive. Either one of them, but that would be fun if they could like have cameos in it or something like that. I think that would be cute. But
3: I'm interested to see who else is going to do I
2: in will. It yeah, I. I mean, this it sounds like a good time, and it's not like my calendar is super <laughs> right. Right. Like I'm not doing anything that involves going outside the house. You know, more than one day a week. So
4: I'm likely gonna scream it
2: anyway. <laughs> Yes, exactly i'll be watching I'll it, right be watching it anyway so but yeah i think cardi can pull it off she's a fun girl
3: lots of you seem to be a little bit um in your knickers about this whole uh lori harvey michael b jordan union um so the, the i don't fucking get it <laughs> like, I, really, I couldn't guess
2: like <laughs> they're two attractive people what is the issue here <laughs>
3: So I saw a lot of y'all with your social media theories about how Michael probably is doing this for PR to get people to think that he's attracted to Black women.
2: PR!
3: Or that one or the other is a beard, and whatever the, the case may be. Anyway, they had some new photos pop up on the blogs that caused people deceived they apparently were celebrating Lori's birthday and saint bart's together being fine on a yacht in water looking at each other and sexual manners and things of that nature mm. and so you all i guess have are just so blown away by two attractive people being attractive together that <laughs> you i guess can't believe it's true like i don't know i I'm, i know that there are people who enter um pr relationships i've said on the podcast before i believe people like black china have absolutely been freelance girlfriends probably loads of the other ones that have been in and out of futures um you know clutches right but i want to say for these two individuals like in terms of numbers like what are the chances that they were like (laughs) hey I am a man who has dated black women before but have a rep for dating white women. So I will like I would like us to go into a contractual agreement together in order for people to think that I'm into, you know, the sisters again. Versus Two people that y'all all lift up as being conventionally attractive oh, or whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Meeting each other and then being like, oh, you're fine. You're fine, too. Let's be fine together. Because I feel like that's <laughs> probably more likely. I you do, know?
2: too. I mean, the PR thing doesn't make sense to me for a few different reasons. Like, first of all, a Black man being attracted to white women, like, if that is the case <laughs> with Michael, that, I mean, that does not get in their way at all professionally. So, Thank you. Not really sure what part of his image would need rehabbing if he only dated white women, but also, right? I mean, and this is no shade to Lori Harvey, but if Michael B. Jordan needed to pick a random black woman to date in order to, <laughs> I said the same thing. In order to boost his favorability with the public, he could pick. Black women who are a lot more famous than Lori Harvey, and they would be available.
3: <laughs> it's like y'all already say that Lori Harvey is like in relationships for PR reasons every time she dates someone famous. Although, a- again, as I said last time we talked about her, I have never heard this girl's voice. I don't ever hear her, her hear about her getting into no, no iOS I don't know press release on arguments. On like I n- like nothing. So it's like if if that was the goal to be like let me go out and get into a fake relationship with a black girl so people think i like black girls why would they pick a black girl that y'all already claim is in fake relationships all of the fucking time i mean why would they just why would they pick a black girl that y'all either have never heard of or you don't associate with like gossip shit in the first place they both fine and they probably met each other and was like damn you fine damn you fine let's go out like and who is that for what would what, right. is, what is the purpose of that?
2: I don't understand. Y'all say, "Oh, he only dates white girls," as if that makes a difference in black girls still falling over Michael
3: B. Jordan. who think he's <laughs> fine? like, it's not like See, just, dropped his I stock.
2: Don't, I just don't. If you if it was somebody. I'm struggling to think of somebody in their mid to mid 20s to mid 30s. Good luck But there are a lot of the, there are a lot of the girls out there. If it was somebody who was regularly in movies or TV shows, then the whole PR thing might make more sense to me. But Lori Harvey, I just think, like you said, it was a case of two very fine people meeting one another and being like, God damn.
3: <laughs> I, like, I just can I feel like there are so many people, famous or not, that were like, if I'm ever in the same room as Lori Harvey or Michael B. Jordan, I'm shooting my shot. Right. So, (laughs) I don't know why these two getting together is now, like, this whole thing. And again, as I said before, although I live, especially for the Lori Harvey side of things, I wouldn't be surprised if they're both in new relationships or single by April. Can these niggas be cute and date or whatever and have sex and, like, be on yachts? If you lonely bitch, just say that. Me too. Like, girl, (laughs) I would... like, That's okay to just say. <laughs> like, I would love to be jet skiing in whatever fucking Caribbean island with a finance rich nigga as well. But here I am with my dog and my fucking gluten-free birthday cake. That was the happiest goddamn thing I've had in the past 365 days, that I found a milk bar that could actually deliver me a birthday cake that is also gluten-free. That's my love life, bitch. And I'm happy to stand up in that while also saying, good for these two niggas, jet skiing and being sexy. Like, what's the, what is... <laughs> oh I'm not yeah
2: I'm not mad at it I'm just not these two are are harmless let them date let them have whatever they gonna have I'm just not I'm not emotionally invested in Lori Harvey or Michael B. Jordan as far as the romantic relationships go so
3: like what's there to invest in besides being like oh like when you see it you think oh yeah those two that makes sense Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I see that <laughs>
2: I see that. And and then, you know, I just move right on with my day. But.
3: but I spend so much of my time outside of this podcast simply just staring at the ceiling of my apartment. And so there's probably... Yeah, don't <laughs> like, ask me about a lot of maybe things. Maybe that explains a lot of my detachment from these things. Um, So it's been a special week or so for Rapper Plies um, as he has reached uh, a new era in his life. Uh, An era without his signature gold teeth. He tweeted, "Um, I just removed and buried my gold teeth. I never thought in a million years this day would come. I said buried because he did that, and I will get to it in a second. Okay. (laughs) I never thought in a million years this day would come. I wanted elevation, so I stepped out on faith. I ate some good pussy with them teeth, though. I heard women love men with pretty smiles. Yes, he did spell pussy PW asterisk ssy yep, of course still don't get it but you know that's his thing
2: mm-hmm.
3: he then posted a video with this tweet where he is actually posting he's actually burying the extracted gold teeth in some soil somewhere with somebody's literal no, get me out teaspoon <laughs> from the kitchen i don't know whose silverware this is sir that you decided to, you could have used your hands you could have used you know like uh, what do you call those things? A spade, like with those little <laughs> gardening tools? Okay, you could have yes. literally damn near the <laughs> fuck anything. I hope you're not putting that spoon back in the kitchen. Oh, so God. okay. Yeah, see, buried the teeth, which looked they looked a lot like like the like the leftover kernels that be at the bottom of that popcorn tin your family has had for the past thirty five Christmases. Are you, are you, I'd never. Are I like, wouldn't have burnt guessed. Orange? Which <laughs> is like cracked and like oh, no. gold, but like off gold. You know, like. Oh,
2: yeah. So, it literally looked like
3: someone took like some pliers or no the best it, and just went, like... Yikes. Oh, yeah. They definitely did. Damn. Anyway, so he buried the, the, the teeth. He I said a prayer. I cannot believe it. Not said a
2: prayer. Yes. Send laser. them on their journey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as they go meet their ancestors.
3: And as he was praying, <laughs> First of all, as he started the prayer, I was like, please leave God out of this. There have been enough white people who have been lying on Jesus this month. Like, we don't need to, like, we don't. And he's like, dear God, you know, I've done, I've been all over the world with these teeth. And, and I was like, don't say it. Don't say it. Plies, don't say it. Ate a lot of good pussy with these teeth. I was like, he said it. He said it. He said it. He said it
2: oh god
3: <laughs> um anyways okay. he later all right Ooh. posted some footage of his uh brand new Ooh, smile I'm with okay. regular ass teeth yep not not his teeth I'm assuming but uh Ooh. nice all the same um and he said I just showed my mom my new smile she hugged me started crying and said i finally got my baby back poor girl <laughs>
2: <laughs> that lady has <laughs> she has been stressed <laughs> Not I finally got my baby back. God damn, she hated them teeth.
3: I can't think of a time that I've ever (laughs) seen plies without gold teeth. That nigga has had gold teeth from the moment that I've seen him. Yeah. So this poor lady has been looking at this nigga with these teeth being (laughs) like, I don't know who this is. (laughs) Forever. She's so relieved. I'm so happy for her. I'm happier for her than him. Um, Oh, man. I wonder what happened. He (laughs) continues. (laughs) Right? One of the proudest days of my life, 2021. I might just what? turn into a full time brand ambassador with this new smile for for the dentist. I guess you about to be an influencer, right? No coochie getting ate with these ladies. How did I do? Um, and I, he looks good. He looks yeah, slight. he does. He looks really good. He looks nice. Um, he posted some other shit at the restaurant. Smile, he said he just can't stop smiling. I'm oh. <laughs> very pleased to see like like regular grill plies. I feel like even his voice sounds a bit different. Like it's just like you know the new teeth hit different. <laughs> amen. Well, Good let it not him. be said that yeah. you know it's all garbage coming up. <laughs> 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 plies got new teeth. Adele got a new album. Bow Wow got Charles.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that little girl. (laughs) So cute. She's so good. Like,
3: blessed, like a talent.
2: (laughs) The way she's, (laughs) never mind. I don't want to say nothing mean, but (laughs) the way she's about to outshine her DNA.
3: It's the children that's the best part.
2: Period. About like, almost everybody, really.
3: <laughs> like so many of these celebrities, like if there's one positive thing I can say about them, it's like it's their the kids, kids. fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah,
2: it is their kids. So yeah. you did that
3: at least. Yeah,
2: good for Plias. This is. I mean, it's not like I love hearing stories of like people who got their confidence back after they got some dental work done or something like that. Um, and yeah. this is not really that because Plaz. Yeah. <laughs> Plus chose to have (laughs) that goal. He got his mama's confidence
3: back, yeah. Right.
2: (laughs) But you know, clearly he feels good about himself. And so I'm happy for him. He does look really nice. So, but you can eat
3: pussy with them veneers. Don't let them tell you that you can't. (laughs) Right. The girls were like, um, excuse me? What are you talking about? It's organic. (laughs) If ever there was a time that I would have wanted you to eat my pussy, it's now. What kind of backwards (laughs) life are you living (laughs) for? I know that his mama blew up this picture and went to the next bingo and was like, hear ye, hear ye. Right. <laughs> my uh, famous report. rapping son The Plots. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> A praise report, okay. Next time she was. All to the of D-unicity. your Sunday morning prayers have not been in vain. <laughs> they have
2: not. my Family, is I want back you to with the see Lord.
3: my. <laughs> Go off, flies. Good for you. Yeah,
2: good for you. I'm, um, you know, whatever joy you can get that doesn't expose other people to COVID. I'm all for. You know what? <laughs> That's. I just. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been at home for ten fucking months. So y'all just gonna have to let me have some space.
3: Burying your old teeth with your mama's Earl Grey spoon is not going to give any. <laughs> <laughs> so.
2: Not an Earl Grey spoon. Nothing what nice. you know about my Earl Grey spoon? I feel attacked.
3: so (laughs) (laughs) that is it for this week's uh, hot tops before we move on we're going to dip very quickly into Kid Fury's sports oh no oh no okay so This week in our sports shorts, we're just going to go ahead and discuss the hot topic of the week, which is the James Harden trade. That's right. Rough week for Houston. You got (laughs) read by your mayor and you lost a basketball player. An MVP, I believe, as well. The Beard, as he's called, is making his way over to play with the Brooklyn Nets, as he's doing at the moment, which is very exciting for the girls. Apparently, he's got a a theme song coming out uh, with... Fabio Foreign and Little Kim. And uh I heard even Biggie is going to be coming back for it. Damn. No word on how he plans to play the game of basketball in his custom <laughs> Timblin boots, but I'm sure that the talent will find a way. Very exciting for fans of the beard. Uh especially I heard that his old teammates, Demarcus Cousins and John Wall, were reading in a meeting on his way out because the has apparently been um losing weight uh on his way out knowing that he was on his way out uh, i hear that the the village of little people that live within his beard were giving him the advice to to uh, leave, me leave alone. his his uh, home team and go you know to where little kim is from and so congratulations to um to brooklyn who yeah. is a a, a city a place with a basketball team it, within a place that has a basketball team. Because <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That happens from time to time. Um
2: Brooklyn is its very own city exciting though.
3: Like it really is. <laughs> yeah, and it should be, quite honestly, because it's not the rest of this <laughs>
2: fucking
3: shit all. Um so yeah, this is an interesting thing for the Nets because they've got a big three. A big three, meaning three big players. James Harden, they've got a Kevin Durant, and soon a uh, Kyrie Irving. Two people mm. with the names that start with K, and um, one that starts with the letter before K. <laughs> J. <Jay. laughs> um and so no word on how this is going to to uh add a when the three of them are playing together but right now things are looking great for the la lakers and the la got two basketball teams too y'all niggas like i mean yes the lakers like, and the clippers i just don't like children and clipping <laughs> what and how, how are you a lake or <laughs> like what do you do on a lake if you're an, an or like a, what does a laker do? I actually like, think who...
2: I think the team is originally from one of the Great Lakes regions and then they just kept the name when they moved to LA. I think a basketball nerd will tell me, but I think that's where they got the name from.
3: James Harden and Kevin <laughs> Durant uh, com- <laughs> uh, have a combined 74 points re- and and um <laughs> okay. <laughs> they played the Orlando Magic on Saturday night, to which uh, the Beard had 32 points, triple double second. And yeah. <laughs> and and, and what does Kevin that Durant even mean? had a season high of 42 points, which means that they, okay. What that means yeah, man, please is that they were me. able to get the basketball into the basketball hoop enough times that it's impressive. Keep up. (laughs) Okay, you're right. That's my bet. And so that happened, and everyone is very excited. I haven't heard whether or not um, James Harden um, was present at the celebratory chopped cheese brunch that they had in Brooklyn, but I hear the girls are very excited, and I am excited for them as well. Um, so I will definitely be keeping you all abreast of how the um, Brooklyn Nets lifestyle is shaking out with this new addition to the will team. And how the Harden Durant, and Irving, uh, <laughs> triad... While we're, we'll work together as a unity for the National Basketball Association. My prediction is very black and very tall and also very athletic. What? And you've heard it here first on Kid Fury Sports Shorts. What does that even mean? You're welcome. <laughs> it means exactly what I said on the fandom, actually, that you keep questioning me. Because clearly I'm correct about everything that I'm talking about.
2: I mean, you're not incorrect, but your prediction for what? (laughs)
3: I'm just... just... My prediction for the progression of this (laughs) unity of basketball playing team people. Obviously, As a team together. (laughs) okay again that's my bad you right any qu- any other questions
2: no I was gonna ask you know some things about logistics and
3: COVID and all that but you've you've explained enough to me on this evening that's not important obviously as Charles <laughs> Barkley said athletes pay more taxes so they get the vaccine before the rest of you poor broke niggers <laughs> and so what is he there to even be concerned about he <laughs> really did say that with his dumb fucking bunch of crunch face ass stupid old bitch Dumbass bitch. <laughs> Please.
2: What the fuck are you talking oh about? Oh my god. My they pay, te- they pay higher
3: taxes, so you bitches gotta die. Because like, basketball. Uh,
2: some of these people actually, you know, have to work outside their homes because they make... Oh,
3: water on the ass. Nine
2: dollars an hour, you stupid bitch. Oh, uh, okay.
3: All right. All right. All right. That's it for this week's um Kid Fury Sports Shorts. You're welcome. Um and yeah, we're gonna take a break here and come back with some fun and some feels. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now let's get back to show. So listen, guys, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. I've been running my mouth about it for a while now. Black representation in media is incredibly important, and I feel like it's in kind of a precarious situation at the moment. So amplifying and enjoying as many of these stories as possible is pretty important. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are Distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. You can get things from Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America story. Now they are the story. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center on Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be. About us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
2: Welcome back to The Read. And we are so, so excited this week to have our very first mental health professional on the show. Somebody who I personally admire and look up to and really owe so much to. So please welcome Dr. Joy of Therapy for Black Girls to The Read.
1: Hey. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for having me. It's an honor. Yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, I, I I tell anybody who will listen that I found my therapist three years ago through therapyforblackgirls.com And have been seeing her every week since. And that entire experience has changed so much about my life. So I really owe a lot of my personal growth and just peace and happiness to what you do so uh for those who are not already familiar why don't you explain a little bit about how you got started and what you've been doing with therapy for black girls
1: Yeah, so it's kind of funny. I feel like I was doing therapy for Black girls before therapy for Black girls ever had a name. Um, So my background is in college student mental health. So I've been on the campuses of lots of different places, um, like the University of Georgia, Virginia Commonwealth University, and most recently, Clark Atlanta University. And every campus I was on, I would always run a group for the Black women on campus, because they wouldn't be coming into the counseling center at the same rate as their peers. And so it felt really important, you know, especially especially with what we know about the stigma related to mental health in the black community, it felt really important to go to where they were. Mm. Um, And so, you know, fast forward to 2017 and I am commuting an hour both ways to the campus of Clark Atlanta University, listening
2: to the read. <laughs> oh no, right? So, so crazy. I, yes,
1: <laughs> yes. Y'all's podcast is would help me fall in love with podcasting, oh, wow. right? And so, um, I was already blogging on the site, but thought that a podcast would be a really great thing to add to be able to share more information about mental health and how we can do our very best to take care of our mental health. Yeah. Um, And so it now encompasses, you know, the weekly podcast as well as a therapist directory that you've already talked about, as well as a very active and engaged community surrounding all of those things.
2: Yes. And I love um, I love the podcast in addition to um, just the website itself. That therapist directory is invaluable, if you ask me. But Uh um, one of the things that I really love is that you uh, list all of your qualifications, at the top of every episode and then you also say <laughs> however <laughs> listening to this show is not a substitute for your own relationship <laughs> with a mental health provider this is yes you know I am one of those I am a therapist but I am not your therapist yeah Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to
1: keep my license so that I keep <laughs> doing the work that I love to do. And so that is a very important disclaimer yeah. um, to let people know that you may learn some things and it may help you. You may experience some breakthroughs while listening to the podcast. Um, but I don't want people to be confused that the conversations we have on the podcast is actually therapy because it's not. Yes. And
2: I just want yeah. to make sure we say that exact same thing here and now as well. Because
3: <laughs> our advice might send you to jail. (laughs) Super don't listen to
2: us. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We are constantly reminding people like that is not us, but yes, so happy to have you here. And if you don't mind, we can just dive right in um with the first question. Um, it comes from Bree who says, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that black people need specific therapy treatment and tools to get through life day to day, especially in the United States. It seems like the best course of action is to get a black therapist who has similar experiences and perspectives to aid through processing trauma and healing. However, this is not feasible to everyone based on where they live, cost, etc. In your opinion, how important is it for black people to specifically seek out black mental health providers? What are some things a non-black MHP needs to be aware of or tools they can use to aid a black client?
3: fantastic mm.
2: great question yes. Bri, right out the gate yes
1: <laughs> thank you Bree. thank you um such a great question and i think that this is something that a lot of people struggle with and are concerned about right and so i mean it's a huge part of why i started therapy for black girls was for people to be able to find therapists who look like them if they wanted it yeah. um and so but the unfortunate part of that is that there are not enough black therapists to go around right, right. <laughs> even if Everybody black one wanted a black therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody can't have one. Right. right. And so, you know, I, that's why I think it is important for non-black colleagues to make sure that they are doing their own work in terms of being able to create safe spaces for black clients to come into therapy. Right. Um, and so what that work looks like is making sure that you are checking your own prejudices and biases, Oof. Um, you know, really confronting, because a lot of us as therapists have been trained um to kind of feel like therapy is apolitical, right? So you don't bring your stuff into the therapy room and, you know, but really, mm-hmm. I mean, and if no other time has taught us that, <laughs> now we realize, right, that therapy is very political, right? I cannot separate who I am and my beliefs from the work that I do as a therapist. And so if you have not Dug deep enough into those things as a therapist, then it's very likely that you're perpetrating harm and violence against your clients. Mm. And so non black therapists really need to make sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, really need to make sure that they are um, working with their own therapists to kind of, Mm. you know, dig into anything they have going on, Um, really paying attention to black therapists when we are sharing information about how black clients have experienced them in the past. And really, you know, participating in trainings and reading books and doing whatever they need to do so that they can provide spaces where black clients can come and talk with them about these things.
2: Yeah, in an ideal world, therapists would be able to meet clients where they are, right? Like it it would be that you know, I like just say we're talking about a group of white therapists. I think if if we lived in an ideal society, then those white therapists would be ready to listen to black people talk about whatever things they have going on, including Absolutely. things that are based in race or you know, mm-hmm. obstacles they face because of race and they would be able to take that and, and continue to guide them through that. And I think what we see a lot in the inbox is people saying, I have a white therapist and this bitch is crazy or <laughs> she's obsessed with Donald Trump. Or I said that I got passed over at work for a promotion because I was black. And she said, well, are you sure? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a bunch of microaggressions that make you feel like, OK, well, I'm definitely not paying for this you know i'm not right. i'm not I don't feel comfortable, I don't right. feel like I can be vulnerable with somebody who doesn't really see me,
3: yeah, and there's uh, a lot of like hand holding and explanation and breaking things down that a client may have to do in situations like that where, like myself, I knew I didn't even bother looking mm. for anyone that was not a black woman when it came to therapy for myself, not just because i have clearly grown up around them, and I already know that. Like, I, I knew that I would feel safer um, with having a, a Black therapist, but I also just knew that I would not have to waste time in any session, which they don't last forever. They must end right, yeah. after an hour for me, anyway. So it's like I knew I was going to have to waste a whole bunch of time trying to break things down and get my therapist to understand where I'm coming from. She already knows that. So we can just get to the work rather than being like, mm-hmm. OK, well, you know, this is what a microaggression is or why I don't want you to touch my hair or why blah, blah, blah. You know, so.
1: Right, Yeah. right. Yeah. And ideally, a therapist would do that work outside of your therapy right. session, yeah. right? Because like you said, it's a very valuable 45 to 50 it minutes, is. right? And so you don't want to waste your precious time explaining to your therapist why you might be so upset given the current political climate or, you know, how it is a microaggression for somebody to want to touch your hair. That is reading and work that they should be doing outside of session right. so that they are ready to do the work when a client comes in.
3: Yes.
2: Yes, definitely. Well, since we're talking about the process of beginning therapy, let's just go to this one from Rashad, who says, I've been going back and forth on whether to start therapy. Part of me feels like nothing seriously traumatic has happened to me in my childhood or my adult life thus far. So I have no reason to talk to a therapist. But on the other hand, Effie, we all got pain. (laughs) Listening to the show and hearing other people's testimonies about therapy makes me want that for myself. So I know I want to go to therapy I just keep talking myself out of it. Is this common? Am I self-sabotaging? What can I do to help me make up my mind one way or the other?
4: Hmm.
2: Hmm. What yeah. can Rashad do? So this
1: is <laughs> yeah, this is definitely something I think a lot of people struggle with, right? So one I think what he's talking about are these common misconceptions that therapy is only for an emergency situation yes. right? Um, so that you have to have something huge that has happened in your past um, but I definitely would argue that if you have just gotten through 2020 there's likely amen. lots that you oh, have to talk amen. about right <laughs> so you know I think we we, we want to kind of uh, challenge that narrative that you only go to therapy if there's like a huge thing going on um, because we know that like just lots Life and its ups and downs can bring about lots of stuff to talk about. And so, therapy is a space where you can have a confidential, non judgmental person to just kind of dump everything that is going on yeah. with you and have somebody um, help you to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle back together, so to speak. Um, but I do yeah. think it, it does take a lot, even when you recognize, like, okay, this is a, A a step I want to take for myself, it can still take some time before you're like, okay, am I I actually going to do this? Right? Um, Because Mm -hmm. I think we have to be honest that it is weird. to talk to a stranger about some very personal <laughs> yes. things yes. and they don't tell you anything about themselves, right? Yeah. No, you know? So it's a very, <laughs> it's designed to be one sided because it is about you taking this space for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, so I think it's fine to acknowledge that it's a little awkward and, you know, you might not quite know what to do the first couple of sessions. But the fact that you have gone back and forth with yourself about this for so long, I think, indicates that it is something that you should at least look into, right? So maybe you just start doing some research, you know, looking at maybe if you're going to use insurance, you know, who is in network for you, um, what kinds of therapist might you want, um, if there is anything that you're thinking like, oh, I could use some feedback about this. Does that therapist have specialization in working with that thing? You know, so it may help you to just do a little Mm -hmm. bit of research. Um, And, you know, if you get to the point where you feel like you want to set up an appointment appointment you know you there is no mandate right this is something that you're doing on your own um so if you see the person for a couple of sessions just to say you did it then you know your your curiosity has been satisfied but i think anybody who's interested and has the resources to be able to go to therapy if you're thinking it's something that you want to do then i'd encourage you to go ahead and start that process
3: yeah i totally agree i feel like Crystal and i at least (laughs) try to encourage people to try therapy even if they don't have any specific thing that they want to talk about. Because, like you pointed out, like, sometimes there's stuff that's, like, under the surface that we really need to to clean up. And we have no idea it's even there, especially being Black and not really having therapy encouraged uh, for most of us. So, yeah, I think that we both be trying to, like, listen, if you even been almost thinking about it try it mm-hmm. out see because you might be like oh wow i need to see this therapist like three times a week i did not know i had all this stuff going on
2: yeah like i yeah. i definitely have had the experience of going to therapy because something crazy and big and awful happened yeah. and then you work through that and it's like oh i have actually 89 yes. other tiny uh-huh. little issues All underneath that one. (laughs) And most of them I was not really, you know, cognizant of. So Mm -hmm. if you are going back and forth, I think that is a sign that (laughs) some part of you is saying, listen, we have got to talk to somebody because Mm -hmm. it's something down here you're not really aware of that's messing with you.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think that that also speaks to how therapy can just be good preventative care, right? Because when you go to therapy and there is an emergency, it's kind of like a firefighter just putting out the fire, right? So we are just dealing with the most pressing issue, trying to keep you functional, trying to keep you, you know, as much together as we can. But if you come in a non-emergency situation, then we can deal with more of just that life stuff, right? That is not super urgent, but still um, there could be something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I have one here from Carolyn. She says, I'm a single mom of a beautiful six-year-old girl. I was furloughed in May of 2020. Since then, I've been doing lots of organizing and crafty things to occupy my time. But like many others, I didn't expect to be out of work for this long, and it's taking a toll on my mental health. Lately, I've been thinking of getting into a different career one thing, one that would bring me joy. But my lack of experience in any other field leaves me with anxiety. I can't afford to go back to school to learn new skills, so I've just been feeling stuck. I thought about writing a book because I used to love writing when I was younger, but I'm starting to feel overwhelmed by thoughts of not being good enough before I finish a paragraph. So. If I know. If anybody (laughs) knows. Too relevant. (laughs) As a result of me feeling like I have no direction in life, I've noticed a detachment from playing with my child. Being six, she naturally wants to play all day long, and she put all day long in capital letters. (laughs) And I can't fault her for it. She can't play with her friends like she used to, so it's on me. I wonder if I'm depressed, and I'd love to talk to a therapist about it. But one, I can't afford it. And two, therapists always want to start at your childhood. And we never get to the most recent concerns before the cost of sessions start to become a factor. I truly don't know what else to do. Any help that can be provided to me during this incredibly insane time on this planet is appreciated. Thanks, Carolyn. So Carolyn's got a lot going on. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm yeah so I mean as the mom of two little ones also I can definitely relate to the kids want to play all day Mm -hmm. long kind of thing right and I'm guessing you know that her baby is home Mm -hmm. um, and so she's probably trying to virtual school and you know trying to work at the same time Um, so likely you're just experiencing some complete exhaustion like many of (laughs) us are right just trying to like keep all the balls in the air at the same time Um, so first I would just encourage you to really be gentle and give yourself some grace right now um, and really acknowledge that you are doing the very best that you can in terms of, you know, trying to keep your little one engaged and trying to keep your you and her safe. Um, so I think that you want to start there. Um, I think the, you know, I think it is good that you have been able to recognize These this interest in writing that you've had in the past, right? So when you're thinking about, oh, I think I want to do something new right now, I think it can be helpful to kind of think about when you were younger or in your past, like what kinds of things really lit you up, because that can be a good indication of something that you need to pick back up. And so if writing feels too overwhelming, I'd encourage you not to like just be sitting in front of an open Google Doc with the cursor blinking (laughs) at you, right? Because that just really makes it work (laughs) demoralizing. <laughs> <laughs> that just really makes it worse. And so for me, something that has been helpful when I'm trying to write is that I will just write in my notes app. Right. So, you know, not in front mm-hmm. of the computer, but just on my phone, because usually we're kind of more comfortable there. It feels like you're texting or just kind of yeah. jotting down your thoughts. Um, so that may be something that would be helpful. And you may want to think about, um, you know, I'm not sure what kind of book you're wanting to write, but think about approaching it almost as a workbook yeah. as opposed to like a long narrative kind of thing. Because um, that could also help you to just like take a little bit of the pressure off um, and, and make it a little easier for you to function and you know kind of get some things on page the other thing that lots of people have found helpful is to dictate whatever they're wanting to write right so you can just like talk into your voice notes app And then get it transcribed. Right. So there's a, um, a website called Otter AI, I think. Um, and you can I think it's free up to so many minutes um, and you can get your voice notes transcribed. So that way you have kind of dictated your book and then you can kind of go back and clean it up or whatever. Um, so that may be another thing that might be helpful to, you know, to kind of get you to writing. Um as it relates to your job, I think I would encourage you to really pay attention to what kinds of transferable skills you might have. Um, Because sometimes I think we don't always think about how the things we've done in one job could actually transfer to another position. We just don't see it that way. Right. So, you know, kind of making a list of all of the things that you've done and then thinking about what other fields might this be related to and it might, you know, open the door for me.
3: And I love that you said, like, giving yourself grace because like i feel like as a regular non-therapist person a lot of the things i feel like i i talk to when it comes to friends who are dealing with this kind of stuff is to be easy on yourself because Mm -hmm. personally i've found like if i'm in a moment of stress or depression or crisis that already sucks But then it's, like, I prolong it by beating myself up and just being, Mm. like, horrible. Like, why aren't you getting up out of bed? It's, like, whatever time, you haven't eaten anything today. Get yourself together. You're a hot mess. And it's, like, girl, like, that is completely, like, it's unproductive. And it's, like, you're just bullying the hell out of yourself and making yourself feel worse. So that's, like, definitely something I do I think constantly, at least, I try to just give myself a break and be like, listen, chill out. You're only one human being, and the world is hard enough as it is. So... Mm -hmm. i love that
1: yeah i think it is it's important to remember that shame and criticism are not effective motivators so Mm -hmm. us beating up on ourselves and you know kind of bullying ourselves like you said it may feel like okay something that's helpful in the moment but it actually is not not. gonna you know (laughs) be any likely for you to do the thing that you're upset that you can't do it right
3: and am i wrong for feeling like when she said um the therapists always want to start at your childhood. Like, I feel like that wasn't really my experience. Um, I don't know if it that's... It wasn't
1: mine either. Yeah. But I... I've heard that mm-hmm.
3: before from other people. I feel like that sounds kind of yeah, like a so misconception. It really
1: kind of it well it really depends on how your therapist works right so you know we all have different theoretical orientations and so some people do really feel like um you know what happened in your childhood can be a huge informer for what's happening currently but it really kind of depends on what you're coming in with right now i i standardly ask about like childhood stuff as a part of the intake but if it is not obvious that like something is going on from the past that's informing the the present i won't necessarily spend a whole bunch of time there Mm. um but I do, I agree with you that it feels like a lot of people have that conception or that misconception about what therapy is. Um, and, you know, for, like I said, some people do practice in that way, but not all therapists mm-hmm. spend a whole bunch of time um, just talking about childhood. Yeah,
2: yeah. I remember, I remember talking about my childhood briefly during intake. And I'm sure then she was like, oh, I see 80, 89 trillion reasons why you fucked up right here, girl. But you know she kept it to herself because i was there to talk about something else i was not thinking about childhood or or anything relating to it really at that point so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's real
3: i definitely had a fire to put out as you as you said earlier when i first started going to therapy here but Mm -hmm. i feel like most of the time when it came to childhood stuff we always would land there talking about something else and then i would somehow somehow she would take me back to something that has been a part of my life or a habit I've had since like five years old Mm -hmm. that I haven't even realized is still connected in the way that I express myself or move today so we definitely get into childhood a lot it's usually when it's like oh yeah girl like you've been doing this since you know second Mm -hmm. grade let's (laughs) let's let's clock that let's do some work there (laughs)
2: mine says do you recognize this feeling (laughs) i'm like i bet if i think back to third grade i will
4: Yeah. (laughs)
2: yeah yeah but you know it took time to get there i i was also in like crisis mode and so it took her it took probably about six months or so before she was like so let's talk about how you felt in this situation and then how you may have felt that way at some other point in your life, and then we just kind of went from there and getting into the childhood stuff, and that's when I was like, oh wow, okay, yeah. So okay. therapy really is here to whoop my ass. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's important that people know that not every therapist approaches approaches it um, approaches it like that. There are lots of different theories for personality development and best ways to, and different types of therapy too. Like yes, mm-hmm. therapy is a catch all for lots of different types of specialists and different disciplines and all that. So,
4: yeah.
2: Okay. Let's, um, let's move forward. This next question comes from Austin who says I'm 21 and a senior in college. I've been in therapy for a little over a year and my relationship with my therapist is great but now I'm at the point where I don't want to show her my bad side. I'm in, a th- I'm in therapy because I want to work on myself, but I find myself feeling embarrassed to tell her when I do something wrong and I don't want her to judge me. One week, she asked how I was doing. I was extremely stressed out and panicking because I just failed a class, but I didn't tell her about it because I don't want her to be disappointed in me. How do I get over this and stop showing my therapist my representative so that I can make real progress? Thanks, Austin.
3: That was a good one, Austin you <laughs> So
1: great. Awesome.
2: So great. <laughs> so, so,
1: so this this is one of those questions that I think demonstrates lots of different things. Right. So from this question, I can already kind of tell that you and your therapist have a great relationship. Right. Because it, it sounds like you feel really bonded to this person. um, You feel comfortable and safe with the, the space that y'all have created. So it sounds like y'all have an awesome working relationship, which is the foundation of any good therapy. Right. Um, But I think what you're what you're describing is very likely a pattern that is replicating from somewhere else in your life. Right. So I think if you think about it, there are probably other people in your life where you feel uncomfortable sharing or being super vulnerable with. And now you are just repeating that in the relationship with your therapist. And so this is a perfect opportunity for you to do something different than you have done before. And so even if you don't feel comfortable yet being completely honest with your therapist about like how you're feeling, I think it would be great for you to tell the therapist this experience, (laughs) right? To tell them, I sometimes come and I feel like I can't quite tell you the whole truth because I'm worried about what you'll think Mm -hmm. of me. And you will be surprised by like how deep and like the levels this will unlock in your work with your therapist because you're really now moving into a different space in the therapeutic relationship. So I would try that, Austin. If you don't quite feel ready to tell them, you know, the truth about how you're feeling, tell them that you are holding back and then have that conversation
2: and see what happens
4: Ah, Yikes!
2: (laughs) i just thought about that like oh man there's probably somebody else in austin's life who he is afraid of disappointing for whatever reason and and now you're at this place with your therapist and it's like yeah you know you can only the progress will stop if you are not vulnerable And it will or slow down and you will have to I think there's a certain like there's a certain place you can get to. And then if you shut down, you know, emotionally or whatever, then your therapist can only work with what you're willing to give. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you do have to. Yeah. And I think you do have to feel, you know, you have to feel safe enough to do that. Yeah.
4: Like, yeah,
1: and I think it's important to to recognize that the therapist represents other people in your life, right? So, you know, when you're able to develop a strong attachment to your therapist, it represents the other attachments that you've had in your life. And so this kind of feeling, feeling like I'm going to disappoint them or whatever, is really representative of, of feelings that you've likely had with other people, like you said, Crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's why it can be really great to actually have that conversation with your therapist.
3: Yeah, that's... Like- Literally what I did, because again, (laughs) my therapist being a black woman who's a bit older than me and it's like giving me you know like, like emotional care and things like that it just feels very like family to me it feels very like almost mm-hmm. like maternal energy carry big sister energy and so having that energy in the room or on the call or however we're having a session is like yeah there are definitely moments where i'm like oh i don't want her to judge me or i don't want her to be disappointed or think what is wrong with you so i literally have to tell her like I'm not proud of some of this stuff. Some of this stuff is, like, I'm either ashamed of or I'm afraid that you're going to be disappointed. And so we could literally have the conversation where she could say out, out loud to me, like, I'm not going to judge you. It's my job to, like, get through this stuff with you and help you. And yeah. she also said to me, like, also I have loads of other clients who have all kinds of wild things that are going on in their life. So don't think that you're going to, like, unless you say you're an alien, I don't think you're going to, like, gag me basically yeah so, but yeah i had to like tell her that i was having that struggle of of not being able to open up in certain ways with her to just kind of like rip the band-aid off which made speaking about like darker things uh easier i guess
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because that is a part of our job as a therapist, right? Is to respond to you differently than other people have. And what allows us to Whoa. do that is that we don't have a relationship with you outside of the room, right? right? So that is why the boundaries are important. That yes. is why I can't tell you everything I'm doing on the weekend. or We're not going to catch a movie after our appointment. Oh, right? no. <laughs> we are yeah, not friends. Right. <laughs> right. We are not friends. And what allows us to move in that space is the fact that it is a there is a container right like you see me in a certain way which allows you to be more vulnerable because I am reacting to you in a way that's different than other people in your life
2: yeah yeah my therapist tells me almost nothing about (laughs) herself (laughs) and a couple of times that you know she's been like how was your week I'm like oh it was fine how was yours she's like so let's talk about your week. <laughs> like, we're not here to talk about my week, girl.
3: <laughs> my therapist will talk about some stuff if it's, like, pertinent to whatever we're already speaking about, specifically in moments where I'm talking about something that happened, something I did, and again, beating myself up for it. And she might be like, listen, yeah, I went to bed at six o'clock this morning, and I woke up at nine, and, and I haven't done laundry. <laughs> like, you know, like, little things like that to be like, girl, I'm a therapist, and I, and I." Feel some of the things that you're going through. Like some stuff is just human. Exactly. So mm-hmm. but other than that, it's like I'm not kicking my information. Yeah, we to don't
2: you. follow like, each other on Instagram. It we feels don't. like
3: she cares about me and wants me to be happy and stuff like that. But the boundaries are still firm enough where it's like I'm not talking to my mother and she's literally gonna be like, I'm so ashamed of you. Don't ever call me again. So
2: Right. Yeah. right. But it's hard. Um I- I have another one here that's more on the practical side of things from Clara, who says, I'm a 21 year old college student. As I've been reading and learning more about mental health and mental illnesses over the past six years, I feel like I've also been able to see a lot of myself in certain disorders. I want to see a psychiatrist to get tested and get an actual diagnosis, but I am still on my parents' health insurance and they don't believe in therapy or mental health issues for people who haven't experienced extreme trauma. Which is a lot like that first yeah. question or the second one. Yeah, yeah though I was like, Yeah, my, my shit's not that deep. Um so okay. For the time being I have just been self diagnosing and using CBT workbooks I find online. But I wanna know if you have any advice for finding professionals to work with me for lower prices out of pocket or working with insurance to get services that don't show up on my parents' insurance or are messed somehow. Do you think it's okay that I've been using these workbooks and looking for support online or is that doing more harm than good? Any advice or tips would help. I've already tried talking to my parents to change their minds. And at best, it leads to weeks of tension. So that's a no go. Thanks, Clara.
3: These are some great questions.
1: So that's not going to happen right yeah. now it sounds like. Um so I don't I don't necessarily know that like using workbooks and like watching videos and things are doing more harm than good but I would caution people and I feel like this is the same thing like psych majors experience like when we get to our first DSM class right is that we see ourselves in all of the diagnoses. Oh yes.
4: Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, we everywhere. Yeah, and so I do want to just caution people that there can be a tendency to just kind of pick apart everything and like make it fit with something, yep. especially when you're like kind of deep diving into a field for the first time. Um, so I just caution you. I'm not sure if that's what you're doing, but it kind of sounds like some of that is happening. So do be careful because um, it is important to note that even though you may have symptoms of a of, of a mental illness or a diagnostic category, it doesn't mean that Absolutely. you need to. criteria for the whole diagnosis diagnosis and stuff. Right. Right. Most of us have symptoms of lots of different things and it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So do be careful with that. Um, But if you are finding workbooks and things helpful, then I don't think that there's anything wrong with using them as long as you are cautious about like not over pathologizing yourself or um, having it mean that anything is wrong or broken with you. It could just be some areas of your life that you want to work on, which is totally fine. Um, I think she mentioned that she was in school. So the other thing Mm -hmm. that I would suggest would be to see if you have a a counseling center on campus. Um, So sometimes the counseling center on campus is connected to using insurance and other times it's completely free and is not at all connected to insurance. So check and see if there are resources like that for you on campus. And even if the counseling center does use insurance, they may have a list of um, low cost or completely free resources Mm -hmm. in your area that they might be able to refer you to because you are likely not the first student who has come to them with this question. Um, So I would check out your campus and see, you know, it usually is something through the Office of Student Life or Student Health and see what kinds of services might be available to you as a student um, to be able to, like, you know, have some services without your parents being involved. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, is it true that most therapists set aside um, a slot or two for people who can't afford to pay the regular rate, and so they kind of negotiate with those people? If that is true, I'm sure those slots fill up very quickly, and with everything going on, <laughs> there's probably fewer therapists who have that kind of availability than not, but um, is that is that true?
1: Yeah, a lot of therapists do do that or they do that work in some other ways. Right. So they may do like groups or they may have workshops or other things that they offer free of charge or at very low cost. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right. Kind of given the state of the world, I'd be surprised if very many therapists have that available. But another resource that you can check um, is Open Path Collective. um, And they have a whole directory of therapists who do have openings, if they still have openings, um, who have agreed to see clients for between like 30 and 45 or something like that. So that may be um, an additional option that you can check
2: into.
3: Um, Layla says, uh, thanks to your podcast, I've become more open to my own mental health issues. I'm a Muslim, Pakistani, American woman and I married my first romantic partner, Turns out he is a major covert narcissist who gaslights me, manipulates me, and makes me cry all the time. I feel bullied in my relationship, and i felt worthless for a very long time. I realize this bullying is all projection, and my spouse is very insecure, but his actions still affect me deeply. I have the means to leave, but I feel like I will be failing my parents, family, and myself. How do I get over this feeling? How do I become selfish and just think of myself and my needs? How do I stop the anxiety of the unknown from creeping in and driving me crazy? Thanks, Layla.
1: Wow, that's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough one. I mean, because I would imagine that like the religious and cultural pieces are really heavily dictating yeah. like the behavior in the relationship, Definitely. right? You know, Mm -hmm. and so it kind of feels very callous to kind of say, oh, just get out kind of thing. Um, But I do want you to consider, you know, how your mental health is faring in this relationship. Right. So, you know, you've already described You know, feeling like your partner isn't very insecure, that they bully you, you know, you're always crying. Um, And so over time, that just continues to chip away at our sanity, quite frankly. Right. So it makes you feel more anxious, more depressed. It can impact your self-esteem. And so those are some of the things that I want you to consider. Um, I think that you may also want to check into some resources that are specifically um, like for Muslim women. So I believe that there are um, organizations, I think one is called like Brown Girl Therapy, um, are different. You know, I have this is a part of social media that I really love is that there are lots of therapists and lots of, you know, mental health advocates who will share information specific to, you know, certain communities. And so if you do a little bit of research, you may be able to find some communities where you can get some support maybe from other people who have been in this situation um, so that you know if you do decide to leave the relationship you'll have some support you can talk about and talk through some things with these other people Um, but I'd also encourage you to think about whether there is anybody in your family who feels like they would be more supportive if you do decide to leave right so is there Mm. an auntie um, or grandma or somebody who you can kind of start the conversation with um, to kind of see you know if they can provide some support from the inside that then might make it easier to share with the rest yeah. of your family if that's the decision you yeah. make.
3: Yeah. That sounds like a good idea actually. Yeah.
2: That's hard when when you feel like who you are as a person doesn't fit in with your culture. Yeah. yeah. She she talks about, you know, feeling like leaving her her husband who is hurting her in all these different ways would be failing her parents and her family and herself. Like God damn. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of pressure that you did not ask for.
3: But so. I don't believe that anybody who truly loves you and wants you to be happy would expect you to just sit in a relationship that is making you cry all the time and feel miserable. So but I'd love the, the 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 direction of going to a family member that you could start the conversation with and then possibly like ease it into the rest of the family and get them on board. I think that's a really good idea.
2: Well, I don't know if you watch a lot of ninety day fiance. I do I not do. <laughs> What I've noticed on ninety Day Fiance is that a lot of people let shame dictate how they raise their children. Wow! Yeah, and they care way more about what other people in the church or the community will say about their child than their child's happiness.
4: That is such.
2: A mm. That's just something I've learned <laughs> thanks to TLC. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but I do want to say though, you know that is very real right now. I don't watch 90 Day Fiancé, but I am very aware of of that kind of dynamic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very aware of that kind of dynamic, right? You know, because you know, for for a lot of families like this is something that's been passed down. So your mother and your grandmother weren't necessarily happy or fulfilled in their relationship, but they still stayed in it because Mm. of cultural demands, right? And so there may not be any other thing that they're considering. And so if you feel like you know what I'm going to choose me despite (laughs) what my family thinks I do think it is important for you to think about being able to build a family of your choice right so there's the family we're born into but there's also the family that we get to create if we feel like the family we were born into is not actually emotionally healthy for us Um, you know so there is also that option too and I know that there are other Muslim women who have made those decisions right and then are able to rally around one another so that may be be an option as well. So I would just encourage you to kind of explore and see what's out there um, before making any decisions.
3: Okay. This is from Jeannie. She says I'm writing because for a long time I've been considering augmenting my regular cognitive behavioral therapy sessions with some specifically focused sex therapy. I have some sexual trauma and blocks that I badly want to heal from and release, but I haven't been able to. I'd love to know what a mental health professional's thoughts are on sex therapy. Is it considered a legitimate form of therapy? Are there certified mental health professionals? who perform this kind of therapy, are there resources you can point me to beyond CBT or talk therapy that might help with healing from sexual trauma? Thanks, Jeannie.
1: Mm-hmm. So I get a little concerned when I hear questions like this, because it makes me wonder what she is thinking about in terms of what sex therapy is. Uh-huh. Um, because I think that there have been some not regulated kinds of things where like, you know, a clinician is actually having sex with a person who
2: comes in, right? right, Right. right. And that that. that
1: is not, (laughs) yeah, that is not sex therapy. I mean, we're talking about boundaries as a licensed professional, (laughs) exactly. Um, As a licensed professional, you know, you're never going to be having that kind of a contact and relationship with your therapist. And so I would encourage her to look at, there's an organization and I don't know exactly what the letters stand for, um, but it's A-A-S-E-C-T. And these are licensed mental health professionals who are trained in sexuality education um, to be able to do the kind of work related to, you know, if you had a previous history of sexual assault and it's making it difficult um, for you to engage in, you know, sexual contact, you know, going forward, or if there is some kind of trauma in your past that makes sex painful. Like these are licensed mental health professionals who do this, you know, as a licensed person. So they have additional trainings, they've gone to lots of different things kind of past graduation to be able to continue to do that work in a way that is, you know, credentialed and safe for people to engage in. So that's where I would encourage her to start.
3: I found it. It's AASECT.org, American Association mm. of Sexuality Educators, Counselors and Therapists.
2: Oh, that's you know. it been, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I was not ready for you to tell me that some people are,
3: that did not are, gag me.
2: <laughs> are offering something called sex therapy where they have sex with their clients. That is. The last thing I thought you were going to say.
3: That didn't gag me. And I'm pretty sure that that's why Jeannie asked the question. Oh, no.
1: Right. Yeah, because I think people have called it, you know, because I don't think that that is a protected term, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. So people can call all kinds of things sex therapy and it's not actually provided by a licensed mental health professional. Right. right? Um, And so I definitely want people to be careful. Like somebody that you're going to with a sexual concern is not somebody who is going to actually um, be touching you or engaging with you in any Any kind of a sexual way,
2: right? Right. That just seems so like the very opposite of what should (laughs) happen, right?
3: (laughs)
1: Huh, it okay. is. <laughs> right. I mean, if
3: this is your king, girl, but, but call I it think... something else. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. Just don't call it therapy.
1: Right. My God. <laughs> but I think, you know, going back to a part of her question, too. So it sounds like she's already seeing another therapist regularly and, you know, has this issue. Mm-hmm. And not all therapists are equipped to be able to deal with sexual issues. Right. Like so like you've already heard me say there's additional training and certification that you want to do to really be skilled in that. And so perhaps her current therapist does not have that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I would encourage you to talk with the therapist and say, um, you know, it feels like we're doing great work here, but there's some other things that I want to talk about. And I feel like a sex therapist might be a good fit for that. You know, your therapist might even have some referrals. Um, So, you know, I don't think that there's anything Definitely. wrong with like seeing another therapist you know for another issue at the same time but you do just want to be mindful of the sex issue not necessarily being connected to whatever else is going on because what you don't want to have happen is to have two therapists who are kind of working against one another right Mm -hmm. so you don't want the cbt therapist to be telling you something and then the other therapist telling you something that's kind of undoing what the first therapist did so if you're going to see multiple therapists you would want them to kind of be in conversation with one another Mm -hmm. as like a treatment team so that that, you know they're all working on your behalf
2: mm. um you know to so kind of you. meet your therapeutic goals like right. a psychologist and a psychiatrist <laughs>
4: exactly.
2: exactly working together exactly. to get your ass together. Mm. Amen. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> all right. Our next one comes Good from question. Jay who says I'm a 31 year old gay Jamaican man. I currently live with my mother while I take classes to become a registered nurse and I care for her as well. She is very homophobic and reacts poorly anytime anything gay is brought up in her presence. Regardless, I still love and care for my mother dearly. I sometimes get these fearful and harmful thoughts of my mother passing away and dealing with the pandemic makes me even more nervous. I feel like losing my mother would absolutely destroy me because I know the world is a very cold place without the people who have been there for you. But there is another part of me that thinks I might feel elated to finally be myself without her disapproving stare and emotionally closed off behavior. I hate these feelings so much that I occasionally just make myself stop caring about anything and distract myself with music, TV, or video games. Is there any advice you can offer me to help ward off or maintain these thoughts? They feel very venomous. Thanks for your help, Jay. Wow, mm. that, that feels like a big question mm. Jay
1: um so the the first thing that kind of jumped out to me is this idea of the dialectic or dichotomies, right So sometimes we get into a place where we feel like we can't feel two things that feel like they're opposing one another right so how do I have these deep feelings of love for my mother but also this deep sense of hate and um venom like he's saying um because of how she's yeah. treated me right and and as humans, it's important for us to know that we can experience all of those emotions at the same time, right? So it doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. It just means that you're human and that you are feeling some very, I think, expected reactions given the circumstances. And so I think talking with a therapist about these feelings would be really helpful because it sounds like you don't have a place to put them, right? So when we have these feelings that we think are bad, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So this feeling like, oh, I hate my mom or, you know, whatever, um, it can be, it can really feel shaming to us. And we've already talked about how shame is not really helpful. And so I think being able to say that out loud Mm. to somebody who's not going to judge you and can help you actually work through how you are feeling both of these things at the same time might be really beneficial.
2: Mm. Yeah. I think it's interesting that this person said, I feel like losing my mother would absolutely destroy me because I know the world is a very cold place without the people who have been there for you. And yet his mother is not at all there for him in a giant aspect of his life and not even just not supportive. It's like, you can't even talk to her about it. It is a non-starter as far as the conversation goes. So, I mean, I think I understand why you feel these two different ways. (laughs) And, and I, and I think I can understand the guilt behind it too, because, you know, I think most of us grow up in a culture of you just not supposed to think or say nothing bad about either of your parents but especially not your mama like how dare you your mama is is the queen of your universe so uh but yeah that just stuck out to me like that's really interesting that you feel like the world would be so cold without her and yet there's this massive part of you that she is completely resistant to hearing anything about
3: i think uh as jamaican man myself also early 30s i sort of understand that because in the household for much of my existence it was just something that was not discussed um even when everyone knew it was just kind of a thing that was like removed from the dynamic of the immediate Mm -hmm. family and never discussed um so after a while it feels like it's just not a thing. And so, if mommy is pretty sweet to you in every other way, she feeds you. You know what I'm saying, like, dude, that the house is warm. She made you a <laughs> whatever. I don't. Know what doing, but I'm just <laughs> like. But like, I, I'm not so surprised because you know you love your mama regardless, and on top of that, you're caring for her um at the moment. So, you know. Personally, I speak to my parents as often as I can, but I live by myself. I can be mm. as gay as I want to here in New York City uh, or wherever out of the house. Whereas, like you have to, it seems suppress a part of your yourself and uh, forms of your expression because of how you think that she'll feel. So, like, I think I'm just saying, like, I, I think I understand both sides of this, or, or the ability to feel both sides of it, and it's complicated because. <laughs> Like I don't know if you've ever had a conversation about homosexuality with mm-hmm. a Jamaican, but <laughs> not quite that easy, okay. especially if they're of a certain age. So I don't know, but then again, they might surprise you. They might surprise what do you. Do you when you never know. Feelings, so the like
2: joy just just feel overwhelming, and mm-hmm. so you, like this person said, he turns to music or TV or video games. Those seem pretty tame compared to the things I turn to when. <laughs> When my thoughts get overwhelming, so yeah. so is is that good for him to distract himself with those things? Should he be looking for uh, different ways to cope with that?
1: I think that those things can be fine temporarily so you know there are things that you can do like he's talking about like playing games or listening to music that help to take the intensity out of the feeling right because oftentimes when emotions feel really big like this you just feel like you're going to be overwhelmed and washed away by them and so you want to do anything to try to avoid it right so i think there is something to be said for taking the intensity out of it but you don't want to completely avoid it because then you never teach your self that i can feel this and still be okay right like this is hard in the Mm. moment but eventually it passes and so you don't want to you want you can take that intensity out but you don't want to completely avoid or distract because then you're not like signaling to yourself that i can be okay even though i have these really big emotions
2: and that is something i did not learn how to do till like seven months ago (laughs) like literally just If I am sitting with an uncomfortable feeling to just sit there with it and be like, oh, hey, girl, we're going to sit here and coexist and you're going to let me know what's going on with you and then you're going to go away and I don't have to turn to whatever to distract me from it. But that that process of learning to just be one with your terrible, uncomfortable feelings is I think that's really hard to get started if you never learned how to do it as a kid.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
1: And it's not usually something a lot of us are taught as children. Oh, yeah. So.
2: No. Because nobody, around me, <laughs> <laughs> nobody right. around me was doing that. Nobody around me was <laughs> doing that.
3: And like, what is there to say about this anxiety of losing his mother? Because that's something that um, is... Like I'm dealing with that a lot these days. And I think that living away from them for so long and the pandemic of last year and just, you know, noticing that they are getting older and things are changing. I definitely have like this common surge of anxiety where I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to function or cope without them you know what I'm saying and like Mm -hmm. when my grandmother died I legit played Disney Infinity for like four days straight I don't know if I showered or anything I was just locked into this video game with Mickey Mouse because that made me that just took me somewhere else So I'm just like, yeah, there's a thing for me commonly. I feel like even this past weekend, I broke down because I was just like, I hadn't seen them all year. And my God, what if I lose them? Like that intensity of, of not having them is, is like heavy. Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm,
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah and I think that that's a common anxiety a lot of people have right and I think it has been amplified in this year when many of us have been disconnected from our parents right um you know so we haven't been able to see them in the same ways that we would typically and so I think that coupled with the amount of grief just related to everything happening in the world only makes that an- that anxiety even more intense yeah. um so I think You know, it's something that comes up a lot for people who struggle with anxiety. And I think even more so right now, given, you know, the circumstances of what's been happening. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay. So our last letter comes from Nicole. She says, I'm a 25 year old black woman. I'm realizing that quite a bit of my issues stem from the relationship I have with my mother and how she is as a person. She has not had an easy journey in adult life with her marriage raising a child with disabilities and the financial constraints that come with it. I'm realizing that my mother is an anxious person and leaning heavily on her faith in God as she's reaching retirement age. I want to start therapy and potentially have a a meditated conversation with her or mediated conversation with her, sorry, about our relationship and how anxiety has led to me not having the space and agency to grow into my own person. But how do I approach such a conversation when I can see that my mother's needs My mother needs her own support as well. I'm starting to understand that just because I start therapy to grow and change doesn't mean all the people in my life will as well. Amen. But I'm not sure how to approach this. I've suggested that she get counseling under the guise of needing to have a self-evaluation after her divorce, especially since she wants to find a companion. But she hasn't made the effort. She's also sensitive and can be defensive. So if I start this journey, I'm worried that she won't acknowledge my emotional growth or worse, might see it as me being combative towards her. I know I can't force her into therapy, but I can also see that she really needs it, if not for us and our relationship, for herself and her own well-being we currently live in different countries, and due to the pandemic, I'm not sure when I could see her again or spend time with her. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Nicole. Woof.
2: Oh my God. Please yes. help me, and Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> of you and Nicole because I cannot get that lady to go to therapy
1: (laughs) yeah so I mean I think Nicole even said it in her letter right just because we make the decision to go to therapy and do something different with our lives we absolutely cannot dictate that this is going to be the path for anybody else right and I think when we are in therapy doing the work on ourselves it becomes even more magnified when other people are not doing their own work because you are so focused on you know, doing your thing. Um, So, but I think it is important to recognize we can't force anybody, right? And so I think, Nicole, it would be great for you to talk with a therapist about the concerns that you're having with your mother, because it's very likely that you can develop some skills in thinking about how to react differently to mom and like how to change that relationship from your end. But there's really nothing that you're going to be able to do that's going to make mom different if it's not something that she's willing to do for herself. Um, And so I think it is important to remember when we are in therapy – the systems around us change because we're changing, right? So we begin to react and do things differently. And so then that means everybody around us also does, but not always for the better, right? So it is unfortunate that sometimes when we are doing the work on ourselves, other relationships might become more distant because you recognize I have to set a boundary here, right? Like I'm doing all this work on myself and this relationship is not reciprocal or it's not healthy for me. Um, You know, so it is unfortunate, but it can sometimes be a byproduct Product of starting that work for
3: yourself yeah but the idea of being able to get the tools from your own therapist to react differently i think it's a great starting point but <laughs> a lot of yeah, that's really
2: all it. you can hope for yeah. <laughs> man that's a tough pill to swallow honestly that i mean like nicole i know that i can't force uh anybody into therapy um but that kind of means that you have to accept the relationship you have with that person as it is.
4: Yeah.
2: And, and you can change the way you react to it or the way you feel about it, but you have to accept her, you know, the way she is right now and decide if that's something that you can handle or not. And like Dr. Joyce said, you know, getting um, tips or, or techniques from your therapist on, on how to handle that. But that, that can be rough. Like, I want to have this closer relationship with you and yet there's something keeping us from it and you're not willing to investigate that at all like you just
3: right. going it's keep like, on
2: going like ain't I, nothing wrong I know
3: you have a cold <laughs> I hear you sneezing I see you coughing and I just <laughs> I just want you to take this medicine so we can both feel really better I want
2: you to take yeah. this eucinex right. so that you yeah. stop spreading your cold and yeah. you'll just I'm not going to do that. Mm. A lot yeah, of these I questions mean, are you know, so One carly.
1: thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing you can do is like continue to sing the praises of therapy for yourself. Yeah. Right. You know, so just talk about like how much you love it and how much you have changed. And like, hopefully some of that will kind of open their minds to, you know, like maybe being able to do something different. But that's really all you can do. Yeah.
3: Just by talking about therapy even a lot more with my friends and family, like, I feel like at first my mom was kind of, uh, resistant to it or she didn't, you know, she was like reluctant, um but just talking more and more about being in therapy and what I've learned from it. Like after a while, it became a point where if I was depressed or sad or upset about something, talking to her, she literally be like, did you talk to your therapist about it? Well, what did she say? So oh, wow. like after a while, it just became so common that I was talking about mm-hmm. uh, therapy in, in connection to either something that I was going through or something I've always gone through. And mm-hmm. I think it just became, you know, they just got used to it and it like, they speak to me now, like it's just drinking water. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Amazing. The growth is possible.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but you got to hammer that shit home sometimes. Why <laughs> like she said Like, sometimes you got to do it.
2: Oh man! Well, Doctor Joy, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be on our little Ragamuffin podcast. Yes. Um, it means so much. Please tell the people um, where they can find more of you and your work.
1: Yeah. So the best place to find us is at therapyforblackgirls dot com. The social handles are therapy for black girls across platforms, um, and you can connect with me at hello doctor joy across all social media platforms. Awesome.
2: All right. Well, thank you again to Dr. Joy. That is going to wrap up the questions this week. We're going to take a quick break and be right back.
3: Hey, guys. May is Mental Health Awareness Month and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or exhilarating. Personally, I find it to be all of these things depending on the time and time. But If you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you'll gain insights and uncover truths that you can find only in therapy. Personally, I'm therapy constantly. It's one of the most important things in my life right now, to be honest with you. And it is just it makes a difference knowing that you have someone somewhere uh, that is judgment free, that is unbiased, that can hear you out. And it being Mental Health Awareness Month is the time, if it's been on your mind, to give it a try. Celebrate May Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking out in therapy. Talkspace is offering every listener of the READ $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. When you go to Talkspace.com slash READ to match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash READ to get $80 off your first month with the code SPACE80. And to show your support for the show, that's talkspace.com slash READ code S P A C E eight zero. Go get some help, talk some stuff out. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so we're back, and it is time now for us to do the read.
2: Yes, it is. And
3: um, yeah, I've got nothing, so you can go ahead.
2: Okay, well, um, <clears throat> honestly, it's the end of the world. Yeah, uh, this is the last episode before the inauguration on January twentieth. Um, oh yeah, um, yeah, that's true. And I have I have things I could talk about for my read. Like I kind of wanted to talk about Funkmaster Flex and the Jay Z thing.
3: <laughs> what was that?
2: Um, he went on somebody's.
3: No, I know. I, I just... oh
2: yeah, no. But basically, yeah, if like, you haven't heard fuck? it, he said that like Jay Z stays off social media because he can't take criticism and he's really sensitive, sensitive and and yeah. he interact and interacts with um social media basically through a fence that and doesn't open up and all these other things and to that i say great <laughs> nigga fantastic
3: more celebrities should do the same when i read that shit i was like if this ain't the fucking on <laughs> the kettle cast iron
2: like bitch. didn't funk flex get a fucking bbl on instagram live or some shit
3: Don't you stay weirdly crying into every fucking tri-state microphone or radio like
2: every time Mona show up with a camera you sign in the release like what's wrong with somebody saying you know what I can't handle seeing thousands and thousands of opinions about me from people who don't actually know me there's nothing wrong with that.
3: Furthermore, I don't have to involve myself in any of that right. shit for my pieces to hit and keep moving. Why the fuck should I come on here and lollygag with y'all bitches when I'm going to be fine the fuck either way? Like,
2: right. what? Exactly.
3: The only reason Beyonce posted on Instagram is because she knows she's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> for her fucking likes. <laughs> that bitch don't care about, about Instagram. Right. She <laughs> sure. But, like, what are you even
2: talking? Anyway. Right. It. So, uh, th- right. That is exactly how I felt about that situation. So I was, like, not really even going to put my energy into that. Um. So, really, I'm just so, you know, part of me is, like, really hoping that my mind is running away with me and my imagination is doing too much in thinking about Inauguration Day because something deep down in my nigga's soul tells me not to trust that Donald Trump will just go quietly into the goddamn night. <laughs> it's just something that's telling me not to trust that about that motherfucker, especially because the pillow nigga was spotted leaving the White House with a bunch of what? papers.
3: Fucking lunatic.
2: <laughs> First of all, why would you have notes from a meeting visible when you're walking outside of the White House like... <laughs> <laughs> what a dumbass! But
3: these people suck.
2: All of the all of these notes. If you Google it, you'll see the story. These notes are um are not the notes that you would take in a meeting or notes that we would be distributed from a meeting that is about a peaceful transfer of power. So and then you know they talking about sending police officers from other states to D.C. to help. Child, you mean? <laughs> what? You mean help the insurgents? Yes, New York. All right. I, New York City, I think, sent 200 police officers to D.C. who volunteered to go for the day. And I'm like, oh, God damn. And you think they on the side of justice <laughs> and and the right thing to do? I just...
3: They're gonna lay down their bulletproof vests and puddles so the Karens can walk through them.
2: Listen, I just, I hope that that's me being dramatic and too much and overreacting and everything goes off just fine. But Honestly, I don't see how Joe Biden or Kamala Harris trust anybody with their safety on that day. I just don't like I but I don't know the things that they know. So I'm going to just wish the best for everybody as that day unfolds. But I just have a bad feeling about it. And I pray I'm wrong because the stress of what might happen with this country like this is just another day. in white supremacist America. I mean... It's yeah. just another day. Like, this is just another stress that white people are probably not even thinking about at all. <laughs> and meanwhile, every nigga I know is like, I mean, I did... I did kind of think, you know, these niggas might get crazy, might need to go make sure I got some, some toilet paper and some extra peanut butter or some shit, like it's it's things like this that white people don't even have to it don't even have to occur to them it don't have to be a stress or even a thought in their fucking minds and here i am over here like really concerned that this nigga might try to start a civil war instead of leaving office because you know what's waiting on him when he leaves office the fucking law
3: well the civil war has started i don't think that um like i don't Predict him to do anything to Fully Wang, but then again, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, Fully Wang.
3: But then again, he doesn't really have to. You know, he always sort of does the little dog whistly shit where mm-hmm. he's just like, "Hey, girls, everything's great. Stand and back just- and stand by." Da-da. Yeah, he always does like he drops like the little breadcrumbs that all of his fucking lunatic supporters take as yes let's go hang government officials let's fucking kidnap Nancy Pelosi and steal all of their furniture or whatever so right i don't feel like he's about to go out and do no like visibly clown ass shit but i do feel like he will continue to embolden all of these psychos to go out and be violent and destructive um especially after like again one of the most Ridiculous things I've ever seen happen yeah. in my life happening and being allowed to, like literal cops being like, "Hey, girl, yeah, I get it, but can you like, can you just stop urinating in that one spot?" <laughs> like, you know, like the cops basically dapping hey, them up and inviting out. them to lunch, right? <laughs> like, no, you you can't stand on there. No, like, you know have to get nice. down. Quiet, no, early. you're gonna hurt yourself. <laughs> like. <laughs> with that kind yeah. of response from the people who just beat our asses if we say hey can you not kill us like with that kind of response of course these people were literally on camera saying we're about to now go back to our own hometowns and cities and do this own yep. shit and organize and do the same shit back where we are so yes like i don't think that you're you're too off base or wrong for being you know anxious about how uh white people will further act a fucking fool and be violent and destructive in the con- coming days cuz it's going to happen but i don't think it's going to happen on like i don't know that it's going to be some simpsons shit where this man is going to come out and like throw up all over himself or something for, but it, it, the mess is far from over <laughs> this year is going to be shit like it's going to be <laughs> oh, it, i just Lord. <laughs> it is like so
2: yeah i i'm just here girl i mean so yes i just all of that that you said is is so real. And I'm just really trying to, like, let go of the anxiety side of it, because, you know, white people going to do whatever white people are going to do down. They're going to do that. <laughs> so worrying about what they're going to do, like, all I can do is protect myself and the people I love as much exactly. as possible. But trying to control what's going on in this crazy country at this crazy point in time in, in human history. No, thank you, sister. As a black person, a black woman, (laughs) at that, you like if they hear you out. (laughs) I'm gonna just keep on worrying about school and wine and weed.
3: (laughs) At least you don't leave the house.
2: I mean, and I don't leave the house. Although, I don't know. I just, I feel like even when I do start really leaving the house regularly, what I won't be doing is going to the club or seeing bow wow or doing those two things at the same time. (laughs) That won't be happening. But Um, like the fact that they have these, these demonstrations or protests planned at every capital in the fucking country, like... (laughs) first of all I thank God New York City is not the capital of New York State <laughs> Amen. and if you come down here with them fucking assault rifles I am sure you will be
4: <laughs> Yeah.
2: in big trouble girl especially in Manhattan you might get away with it in the other boroughs but don't bring right. that shit to
3: Times Square thinking you gonna prove a point cause I don't and the girls are here too like don't get it twisted <laughs> they're 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 very present it's people right here at Basin in Manhattan that will take the day off and join the insurrections oh, <laughs> like yeah. don't get it oh, fucked yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah you're not will. about to play them Capital games right here, this city girl. <laughs> They'll just like send you down. Yeah, but, but you know
2: all the bros from uh Long Island and Staten Island and Jersey,
3: they coming absolutely. out. No, they're coming out. They're coming out. Yeah. <laughs> like completely Queens, oh, certain parts Lord. of Brooklyn, even like, yeah, New yeah. York ain't, ain't it's not. Listen.
2: Right. No, it's no, it's no liberal safe haven up here. Like, right. You, you will see some dumb shit. It's just significantly less dumb shit. But you will still see that shit. So,
3: but if they were counting votes here that day, if the inauguration took place here or something, then those hog ass bitches would have tried to find some way to make that shit happen here. And again, I don't. I don't think it would have been as simple as it was for them at the Capitol. But they they still would not have faced rep- the repercussions that they should have. Right. No. They, even here.
2: Right. They wouldn't have got blown the fuck up. No.
3: Right. But they, they would have probably got sat they the would have got arrested, right? Least. Sat yeah. the fuck
2: down, because <laughs> I have known niggas who have gone to jail just off of having the strength of a handgun within a certain radius of time. right? So, <laughs>
4: right, city limits. <laughs> they
2: just like really don't play that. But also, you know these these motherfuckers. I feel like they they understand on some level that they're potentially losing access to white supremacy, although, Mm -hmm. although Joe Biden is not who you think he is at all.
3: Thank you. Joe
2: Biden was probably one of the most conservative Democrats running for president. (laughs) Like, (laughs) literally what do you think this is about the only person worse was michael bloomberg and that nigga's not even a democrat he was just running honestly i think to split the vote and to keep a more progressive democrat from winning because elizabeth warren or bernie sanders or julian castro would have put a tax on that nigga where he paying you know god only knows how many billions of dollars in taxes that he's not paying right now but the point is joe biden is not a socialist Socialism is not communism. Joe Biden is neither one of those things. He, At all. <laughs> he is a very typical American Democrat, probably leaning even slightly to the right within the Democratic Party in America and the Democratic Party in America already leans to the right. Yes, We just have a far right and then a right of left. And then we have a leftist, green, working people, all that party that is actually on the left. So y'all are so scared about Joe Biden when he is literally just trying to remove the shit from your life. Like he's just trying to take the immediate big shit that will kill you out of your fucking driveway in your front yard and you mad at him about it.
3: That was the thing that like when I was watching the shit happen that day. And all of these fucking crackers is like, oh, this is our America. We can't let them take our, our this away from us. And I'm like, Joe like, Biden will never take your guns. He will never take. What did you? What do you think you're losing? He will never take your guns. You're you're, lo- you're
2: losing nothing but nothing. this president. <laughs> he won't take police. In fact, if anything, he'll fund the police even more. He is not going to take away uh, y'all's your privilege. Ain't going to blow up abortion nowhere. clinics nowhere. Like.
3: Nowhere. Everything that you love,
2: you will still be able to do. All of the, the reason things. that
3: you feel like you're losing your whole ass life and your freedom, and they're gonna suck all of the white out of your body is because you've been listening to this fucking maniac lie to you for four years yep. and for whatever indiscernible reason, believing all of the dumb, selfish shit that he really isn't even been saying to like support you. That man does not give a fuck about none of y'all, like none of us. No, but you believe everything that he has been saying to you, so you feel like somehow this, this man Joe Biden is coming in here to scoop all all of us up and drop us into a socialist communist world when like not even close. Many of us who voted for him are still side eyeing the bitch. Yeah. I don't even understand. He gives a fuck
2: about your money. He does not give a fuck (laughs) about you as a human being. And honestly, that should be incredibly clear at this point. He's probably going to pardon a lot of them niggas uh, on Tuesday when this show comes out. I think he's expected to do like up to a hundred, if not more pardons. So I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to pardon some of the people who were involved in that absolute bullshit that took place at the Capitol. And really, like, that's just white supremacy once again at work. The fact that you could do something like this and then face no consequences for it. Yeah. Not saying all white people, but only white people. And if you don't understand that, then you part of the problem. (laughs) So, honestly, I'm praying for Kamala Harris's safety on Wednesday more than anything else. Um, and I
3: am hoping— If I was her, I'd be getting sworn in from my bathtub. I'm
2: like, you can actually just Zoom me from the house. I'm going to be over here with my family. <laughs> You know, having some fucking fried chicken, and we're gonna be fucking chilling. Like, I'll, I'll
3: you can meet me <laughs> with a with a strong glass of red in my tub, yeah. and, <laughs> and I, I mean, will have a hand up.
2: I hate that in in one sense. I hate that for her as the first Black vice president and the first female vice president. It's like I wish that you could have your moment with all the fanfare that you deserve even though you're also holding up this structure that I feel less and less sure about every day but I'm trying not to think about that right now Try not to think about that right now I'm trying to focus on what this means for her personally and so I wish you could have a COVID free environment where all your people everybody who went to Howard with you and everybody who went to Howard since every AKA who is still alive All the black people, all the Indians, everybody who's mixed with both of those things. Like, I wish you could have that big celebratory moment. But, you know, it's COVID and it's white supremacy, you know, and I just don't really trust. (sighs) I don't know. I I just don't trust. I mean, I think it will be fine, too. But there's a part of me that says don't trust that these white people and these systems will keep her safe.
3: (laughs) I don't think that anybody in terms of the systems of America is really that concerned about keeping Kamala Harris safe more than the vice president. And I want to say, like, can we really expect that we would have had a vice president that is Black and or female without having to worry about shit like this in America? Like, I don't think that we would (laughs) have had a Kamala Harris or any other Black slash female vice president or president and not have to worry about, like, damn, are they going to be safe? Like, niggas were worried about Barack. So I don't think... I was actually very worried
2: about Barack Obama and then I kind of chilled because it seemed like white people just accepted it like it wasn't all this you yeah, know this is different spread, this Trump shit is different
3: this is different yeah it, it, it's a completely different vibe it's a different feeling and again I think it's so attached to the fact that that president specifically just struck an emotional chord with the worst fucking people in yeah, the country definitely. and they just they honestly feel like they are losing their lives like I think they really think that they're going to be working on like they're going to be picking cotton I think that they feel like Joe <laughs> Biden is going to put them into work on like plantations and we're going to like reverse Verse antebellum, and we're going to be whipping them and listening to like Anneli no. chopper and <laughs> and Eight Ball and MJG while we beat their asses in the field. Like, because the way that these motherfuckers set up, right. girl, you would really believe that we are stealing free damn from them. Like, not <laughs> like you got to have a quote unquote Democrat president and still have everything that you have. St- nothing is going to change. Nothing. Nothing. It's going to change for you. No. That bitch ain't even gonna make y'all hoes put masks on. You was worried about he was gonna force all y'all to put masks on, and it's like slavery. Like, like.
2: <laughs> I mean, he was talking about a national mask mandate, but with all the different—I mean, with all the different state laws and local laws—and then people just outright not giving a fuck. Right. I just don't. <sighs> it's probably not all that feasible, but like wearing a mask is is just so that you save lives. Like, that's all that they're asking you to do. And y'all are like, fuck you. Y'all like, literally, fuck you. How dare you ask me to care about other people or myself? You rude bitch trying to take (laughs) my liberties. Like, that's literally how y'all act about the whole mess situation. So I will just continue to be right here at the house. What else can you do? Reading psychology books and and trying to stay alive in
3: this crazy fucking world you're gonna read all the psychology books on on planet earth and still not gonna be able to understand these crazy (laughs)
2: like i mean i have the dsm-5 i feel like i can find a couple of diagnoses in there somewhere but
3: (laughs) just like you're really what you're mad about is that your new president Is not going to openly say that Mexicans are rapists and that, you know, black countries are Mm shitholes. And you like Y'all miss the hate. Yes.
2: Already. (laughs) They miss it already.
3: Because other than that, girl, what's what's your 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 opponent here?
2: And meanwhile, no hate is even it's below the bar. (laughs) Right. No openly hate, no open hate, like no public hate, like Joe Biden said, you can't tell me that if those protesters were black, that the scene wouldn't be very different. And they had a fit. They had a fit. Joe Biden is dividing the country. What we need right now is unity. Marco Rubio's dumbass talking about Joe Biden and his comments this is just causing further division in America. When what we need right now is to come together and bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. The only reason people say that is because they don't want you to hold them accountable for the terrible things that they have encouraged other
3: people to say and do. How are you upset at Joe Biden or anyone saying that if it were black? Uh people out there blank 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 when literally the motherfuckers storming of the Capitol were out there screaming, Y'all treating us like Black Lives yep. Matter. Yep. We're not the other side. You're not supposed to treat us like this. Like they were literally out there saying, No, you don't shoot or beat us or tear gas us or mace us. Do that to the Negroes. Right. So how are you going to then turn around and get mad at anybody for saying the literal goddamn same thing? Mm. This country is such a joke, bro. It's just madness. How can you not feel like what you're saying? Where it's like, I'm just here, girl, until I'm not. Meanwhile, if they were treating you like Black people, you wouldn't
2: be alive to say that they were treating you like Black people.
3: Right. They, should, they would have shot you in your mouth before you would have parted your lips.
2: I just love how these motherfuckers be like, you're treating us like BLM. Like, they just say BLM. Literally and said like, that. Do you know BLM means Black Lives Matter? Do you understand that when you're saying that, you're saying, how dare these people go out and say that Black Lives Matter? Like, I will never understand how a three-word phrase has y'all this fucking pressed. Black Lives Matter, that's not a difficult thing to say. And yet... They get incensed when they hear it.
3: Because it stands for Black, like, unity and, (laughs) like... You know, it, it represents Black people standing up for themselves and demanding the rights that they should have as, like, American citizens, especially tax-paying ones. It's literally just a representation of Black people demanding fair treatment, Black yeah. people standing up for anything. And I feel like this country is always going to look at Black people standing up for themselves and, and, and like, demanding fair treatment, equal rights as a threat. Because if things are not in the shape in the ratio and the whatever that they've always been to white people, that's threatening. It's just like, you know, like when you, like your baby is eating some goldfish or something, like a snack, and you go in for one of them goldfish and they look at you like, I will cut your throat. All (laughs) 75 of these goldfish crackers belong to me. You know, like, that's like white America to me. It's like, you don't, (sighs) how dare you ask me not to pull a bullet in your ass? Where am I supposed to put the bullet in mine? I don't...
2: (laughs) Or you could know. just not shoot.
3: Or you could just not kill anyone for no fucking you
2: reason. You could just not, but here y'all go any fucking way. So, uh, best of luck to Black people, as always, as we get through the next week. And that will wrap up this week's episode of The Read. Oh, Thank I was going to pass one. Oh, oh, I thought you was done. Okay, go ahead. Yeah.
3: This read um comes from... Oh, I'll just read it. It says... Uh, please don't say my city out loud (laughs) if you can guess where it is. I correctly guessed where it was, by the way. Okay,
2: ooh, now I can't wait.
3: (laughs) Okay, so it says, I've been doing delivery work all pandemic and I'm sick of all of you niggas, food delivery specifically. So, she says, oh, well, this might not be a she. I'm sorry, your name's kind of unisex first group of niggas I'm pissed off is you customers who ain't tipping on your overpriced cheap knockoff Mexican food that costs you $30 and I got paid $2 to do a a 20 minute delivery also we don't get workers comp if you have a mile long driveway in the middle of nowhere so put your damn porch lights on I ain't no damn owl and I can't see in the dark also pro tip if you put in the wrong address and we go to that wrong address (laughs) guess what Susan it's your own damn fault and we get to keep your red lobster you raggedy ass (laughs) fool so maybe, if you want us to bring your bring you your food, don't be such a rude little toe to us for something that is your fault. Second group of niggas I'm pissed at is the fucking restaurants and bars who have packed dining rooms and little snow masks. Oh yeah, I know. I included a video in the email, which they did. <laughs> and my word. <laughs> Oh, God, I have to flick it up now. (laughs) You motherfuckers are some low-down bitch-ass leeches who are going to get the rest of us killed. I understand having to get your coin, but you're no better than the fucking turtle-faced turkey-neck motherfuckers who would rather reopen the economy than giving people assistance to help them stay home and be able to afford their basic needs. It's not as simple as just canceling the trips because after canceling so many trips, guess who gets blamed for it? (laughs) The delivery driver who just doesn't want to be in your super spreader, weak-ass hookah bar that sells a (laughs) McDonald's-ass burger because we trying to stop the spread by keeping people indoors. Both you group of niggas are making our lives way harder than it needs to be when we are trying to help both of you. So maybe rethink your whole damn life with all with no love and all of the shade, Courtney. Sick of your shit, Smith. To which they said Courtney is a fake name. So I really oh
2: okay, know. amen. <laughs> Good for thank you.
3: you, Courtney, because that gave me a laugh. Pretty also, sure I
2: know where you're delivering, sister. Fun. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can go ahead and look up the email it's not too far from the top i mean and it def- it's
2: it's one or two <laughs> i mean, like I said the same <laughs> shit i
3: said it is either city one right. or city two it. and it was absolutely city one <laughs> of course so there's it that is.
2: of course it is and uh, you know i just i was listening hoping that i didn't hear myself being called out and i did not amen I always tip above and beyond especially in a pandemic especially now nigga my tips have never been higher same Um, yeah and I don't (laughs) oh god
3: <laughs> but i did enjoy the perspective just because like there's so many people who are ordering food from postmates uber eats Grubhub, up or whatever now more than ever right and these are really people who are putting this like putting everything at risk to bring you your yeah. potato skins or whatever girl so like so the
2: least you could do is like yeah. tip them their money yes turn on your fucking porch light girl why wouldn't you you know it's Double dark out there <laughs> right <laughs> right
3: You (laughs) You bitches know that it be dark. (laughs) Y'all know it's
2: dark out there. And then these business owners, they just don't give a fuck. Honestly, if you live in a big city that's wide open like that, don't order from these hookah bars no more. Order from real restaurants that are limiting the number of people who are inside as much as they can and keeping windows open because both of y'all are in the South, if I'm right. So let some air circulate in that bitch. And, you know, just... I don't know. Don't make things harder for the people who are like doing what they can to help you out.
3: Yes. (laughs) Like these people are literally running around all day long outside in the mess to bring you your foods that you aren't inside hangry all fucking day right. so yeah like give them a tip if you can help them out you know what I'm saying or at the very least don't have a fucking attitude with them if you forgot to put street instead of terrace or whatever the fuck like you, you put know
2: wrong your own address up. girl
3: <laughs> <laughs> right double check your address bitch make sure uh, before you have an attitude with them because they dropped the shit off right, of the that's not place. Courtney's fault <laughs> right and the same thing like if you girls are in these fucking cities and you have your fucking bar and restaurant wide open try to facilitate something at least for the people who are Picking up food for some for others, right. so they don't have to come in the midst of your fucking super spreader. I don't give a fuck shit. Like again, I've said at this point, I've completely accepted that people just don't give a fuck anymore. But like, just because you don't give a fuck doesn't mean that it's okay to just put everybody in an "I don't give a fuck" environment. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like,
2: Although so, most people are like, it actually means. I don't give a fuck. So I will put everybody in an, I don't yeah. give a fuck environment because fuck <laughs> yeah, you and you. your grandmother as well. Like things are just, <laughs> especially, your grandma. especially your grandmother's like every day. It's a new fucking sob story. Every day. It's another, however many thousands of people did. And it's just like, we live in, in an alternative reality at this point. Like, We need new leadership on the federal level so bad. We don't even know. But also, a lot of y'all I mean, it's not even just y'all. Like, this is just everything is fucking crazy right now. So, please be as kind and generous to each other as you possibly can be. Try it out. Just see, you know, if that don't make you feel a little better. Just do a nice thing, do the right thing for other people that you might not even know. (laughs) just (laughs) just do a good thing just don't put people at risk and if you choose to do risky things then isolate yourself from everybody else so that you don't take nobody out but you
3: that's the thing there are like people who are like in these little like quarantine packs where it's like three four niggas who have like banded together to just do whatever you know what I'm saying and they travel together or you know they go to brunch together or whatever and they just keep it as as close knit inside their little bubble of quarantine adventures or no quarantine adventures (laughs) As possible. And then it's some of y'all who are going out to see um uh bounce with me and not wearing a fucking mask in a bath club and sharing a bottle and passing hookah around and it's just kind of like like I don't know. We're not even know. trying to reduce risk no more. We're not
2: even trying. Like
3: And I feel like it rubs off. Like I feel like when enough people stop giving a fuck it's like I feel yeah. like it causes other people to not give a fuck that's anymore, how we too. have
2: it now we're like I mean a massive part of it the biggest part of it is that the government won't just shut shit down and pay people to stay home yeah if the government would shut everybody down and send everybody a monthly stimulus enough to take care of the rent and bills this pandemic would not be doing what it's doing So most of it is the government's fault. But then a not insignificant portion is those of you who choose to do things that participate in spreading the virus without without having to do that. Like, I'm never going to blame people who work at McDonald's or Wendy's or Popeye's for going to work because the government is not going to pay them to stay at home. And they still have this rent to pay. And they still live someplace where the landlord don't give a shit. And they can put them out on the fucking street if they want to. Like, I'm never going to judge people who are doing what they have to do to survive. But this is... So much of this is, like, within our own control.
3: And people just choose not to do it. I mean, at the same time, I will say, like... Especially with, um, like, seasonal depression and shit. This past weekend, I was spiraling. Like... Spiraling, I wanted to leave the town so bad. It's cold. It was raining all fucking weekend. I haven't seen my family in over a year. Like, I just wanted to be anywhere but here. I stayed anyway when many people <laughs> I got, many of the girls that I knew were out in Atlanta living their best life, you know, and aren't hospitalized. Amen. So, like... You know, I understand that a lot of people are probably just like, I have to get out. Like, I'm losing my mind. I've stayed inside for 10 months, 11 months, whatever the fuck. Like, I just need to get out. I get that. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like there are people who are doing it at least... There are people who at least are, like, doing it with the consideration of, like, let me try to at least be as safe as possible or, like, do something that is as limited as possible where I can get out. Like, something that still shows that they clearly are keeping in mind that there is a pandemic and that, you know, we should try to be safe. And then there are people who are just like, yeah, I went to Vegas and I coughed in everyone's mouth.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely real. Like, I don't want to ever be so mad at people going to the club that I forget to be mad at the fact that the government could do something about this and just has not. Like. The thing is, like, y'all wouldn't have a club to go to if they actually shut that shit down, If they said, you know what, this country is the wealthiest on the fucking planet and we actually do have the money to sustain everything in this country to sustain the people and we just won't pay it because then the people who are already billionaires might not be multi-billionaires like that. (laughs) I don't ever want to lose sight of the fact that that is the overall arching truth of the situation. But it's hard as somebody who takes every precaution. When I leave the house and when I don't, I take every precaution to stay to myself, to wear a mask no matter what. I never go outside without a fucking mask on. I never go inside public buildings without masks on. Like, I do everything I can to limit other people. And yes, I am fortunate enough to not have to work outside my home. And that is not something that I take for granted at all. But at the same time, I'm denying myself a lot of the shit that other people are doing anyway, like going out and partying and, you know, just like all kinds of fun shit that I would also love to do. Yeah. But the world is on fire. So I'm just not doing
3: it. But what I'm saying is that everybody ain't built like that. Like everybody everybody's not built like that. And I think that there are some people who are like I'm like I literally feel like emotionally in trouble. Like, I I feel like I need to, like, get out. I need to leave. I need to do some sort of socializing or traveling or whatever because it's been however long. I just think that there are some people who do that in ways that are considerate and some people who do that in ways that that aren't. And then there are some people like you who are like, I have been in my home unless I needed to buy bread and eggs. (laughs) <laughs> like every day <laughs> for like the past all year. So I just feel like there are people who are approaching it differently and I don't want to be like completely insensitive to people who are traveling or who are doing certain things if, you know, they are at least considering shit like basic shit because like I said, like bitch, I wanted to leave this city like nobody's fucking business this oh, yeah. past weekend, Christmas <laughs> and many other fucking times and I don't because I'm either I'm scared to get sick or I'm scared I'm going to get somebody else sick or whatever whatever. But like, yeah, it's just, I don't know, nigga, like, what can I do besides live in the skin I was given? That's what I'm saying. This is all a simulation. I'm never getting unplugged. None of this shit is fucking real anyway. Like, girl, just text me when it's done. I can't. I can't. I don't have it.
2: This show has always been us talking about whatever situation we are trying to survive. While being the people that we were born to be. So right now we're going through this crazy ass pandemic like everybody else. And we're just trying to work through it like everybody else. And more than anything, I wish we had a government that cared more about people than it does about money. But we don't and even after the 20th that probably won't change so
3: and honestly even if we had like different leadership like you said before that was more realistic about it maybe people would have been in a different headspace um, about the 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 whole thing in general you know because they were basically being like it's not real too I guess it's kind of real but it's not that big a deal bitch just do whatever you want right flat out
2: was (laughs) like oh it is a democratic hoax and then it'll magically disappear like girl and none of those things happened
3: so if the tone from the leadership of this country from get-go is pretty much like it's not that big a deal girl then yeah i guess it's not that surprising that so many people are treating it like it's not that big a deal especially if you know it's been however long and people want to go to the fucking club or to the beach or whatever the fuck again so it's like girl do the best that you can i mean i went to the beach with a a mask on (laughs) same
2: (laughs) I did. Sure did. Took a whole Same. walk on the beach with a mask on. Like but see, like not, I'm not saying I haven't broken the technical rules. I'm saying I always try to limit the damage I do to other people. And then I stay to saying. my fucking self. So if I do get, get sick, exactly. nobody else gets sick. Like I'm exactly. trying to do at least that.
3: Exactly. That's the difference to me between being like, I'm losing my mind in this fucking house. I'm gonna go to the beach or go to the park or whatever with a mask on and walk around whether I'm alone or if I'm with like one other friend that I know don't go nowhere or something like that right. versus like going to the beach Memorial Day weekend and like drinking white cloth from the bottom of the can and spitting it in each other's faces and like doing a whole bunch of wild shit that we've seen people do that's kind of like is there a I just feel like that's what I'm saying like I feel like there are different tones to like the madness that we're all dealing with because I don't think it really affects too many of us differently unless you're super wealthy and you have Every resource to not have to worry about it. Private
2: Jets and shit like uh, Lori and Michael.
3: (laughs) Yeah, testing every morning at your house and whatever. Yeah, the big, deep nasal testing
2: too. Not even that rapid shit, that big, deep shit every day. So, you know, I just, I wish everybody the best um, still as things (laughs) are somehow worse than before. And yet I personally feel more desensitized to what's going on.
3: Same. Same.
2: Even though I look at the data every day and I'm like, oh, this is fucking terrible. And yet on the (laughs) the inside, I feel nothing. (laughs) So like, what is that? And that's pretty bad. Should have asked Dr. Joy about that. (laughs) Come back, Dr. Joy. I got a question. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Even the... even the the storming of the Capitol, I felt like I was looking at that and I was like shaking my head. And even my mama called me like the next day and she was like, I just wanted to see how you're doing mentally, like how it's affecting you. And I was like, Mommy, I don't I'm not shocked. I knew that these were It white was people an episode existed. of the <laughs>
2: Office.
3: Right. I was just like, Why should it, shook my head, laugh at a lot of the absurdities <laughs> and <laughs> Guess I'm still paying these bills. <laughs> like,
2: what it, like, I mean, but even so... that is a trauma response.
3: <laughs> it is. It is. Even it's, that is it's... black
2: people being like, "Girl, I have seen white foolery be excused yeah. many times before." So I'm just There's gonna n- laugh at the funny parts and go on with my day.
3: <laughs> no one should should be numb or desensitized nope, to that fucking. Not at all. Like, that shouldn't have been something that anybody looked at and was like, "Yeah, so what's for lunch?" Like, <laughs> The, entra- the entire Trump presidency from day
2: yeah. one, even before he was elected, it has been absurd, nigga. And yet, yeah. if you actually pay attention to it and you feel the impact of everything that's going on, you will lose your shit. Yeah. So It's maddening. That's that's where we are right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys I'm are I'm like doing at better. the edge.
3: Well, I just sat down. You know, you right. Know? We're,
2: just, we're just swinging our feet.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Smoking at the dock of the bay. Dipping
2: pool. our toes in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're just filling the edge right now. We haven't jumped over that bitch. But we, you right. know, we perched.
3: <laughs> who? because who even knows what's around the riverbed?
2: oh man so yes again god bless all the blacks and that will wrap up this week's episode of the read check us out on social media at this is the read our website is this is the read.com. you can find our merch at shoptheread.com. um and thank you again to dr joy for coming through this week thank you to everybody yes. who sent in um letters for her i hope to do something like that again um before too long because i just think it's so helpful to have somebody who actually knows what they talking about and we to, had more
3: stuff we could have read too.
2: right and make sure you right there were so many letters that we did not have a chance to get to but also make sure you check out therapy for black girls and everything dr joy has going on even if you are not a black girl therapy yes ish just therapy things please start mm-hmm. start um looking at ways you can be more mindful in your own life um But anyway, Mm -hmm. yes, any news for you, friend, this week?
3: No, I'm working on a new Uncrustable idea, so I'll let you guys know (laughs) how do it. Can't wait for the
2: recipe to drop.
3: Quote, unquote, Uncrustable. I got to call it something else, because I know they voted for Trump.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling you will come up with an incredible name for your homemade air fryer sandwiches.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited,
2: yes. (laughs) Okay, Okay. well, we will see y'all next week if the Lord say the same.
0: Watch John Mulaney Presents, Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.